Mueller and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Three o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next three hours here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. Between the two of us, we've got a decade of NFL experience and a really good head of freshly trimmed hair. That's what you should know by now. The rest, well, it's up to you to figure out. But over the next three hours, if you want to chime in, uh, questions, comments, concerns, reactions. You can find us on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. What's up, cousin? You already know how I feel over here, man. <laughs> yeah, let's get right into it here. Well, so we can skip the present, the the pleasantries and all that other stuff, man. Why waste any time, Arthur? Most exactly. Uh, man. NBA postponing games yesterday. Uh, just what in the last five minutes here? NHL postponing mm-hmm. games today. Uh, a handful of NFL teams. Uh, postponing practice today, and the Lions did so earlier this week already. Arthur Motes, I'm just going to turn the floor over to you. Uh, as a former athlete and as a person of color in this country, uh, I don't need to do any more talking. Uh, what's on your mind about everything that's going on? Yeah, man, first off, you know, <clears throat> got to applaud the, uh, the Bucks players in particular, then the rest of the NBA and along with the WNBA, some of the teams in the MLB. Um we hear, we hear, what, a month later, a month and a half later from the George Floyd situation that transpired where we saw the protesting that took place, where we saw the rioting that took place and the looting. We'll include that in there as well. And we talked about how, hey, man, people are fed up with this. Athletes in particular are fed up with this. But overall, minorities, overall, just us as a country, we're fed up with the lack of accountability, especially for police officers, and just the inconsistencies in terms of when a situation involves a person of color versus when it involves a person that's not of color, and just the different handlings of the scenarios and the situations that we can get into more detail about. But seeing the athletes say we're going to take a stand, seeing the athletes use their platform on in terms of what they did, in terms of not playing in those games yesterday I thought was huge and I don't want to discredit it and, and use the words that the NBA decided to use afterwards that the mass media used of a postponement because it wasn't a postponement it was a boycott it's, it's very different postponement would be hey we know we got some stuff going on we're going to postpone this game just trying to you know let everything play out no they were going to play those games as scheduled that was the plan from a TV standpoint from a money standpoint everything was going on like that but the Bucks players said that look man We're not hearing any of that. We are not showing up. And they did it by surprise because we had a conversation off, you know, air when we were talking about, I think it was the Raptors and the Celtics were flirting with the idea of not playing. But we said, man, a lot of times when they throw that filler out in terms of, oh, we're thinking about that, they're kind of trying to to weigh what society is going to say, how people are going to react to it. And nine times out of ten, they're going to resort back to playing. We knew this. But to see the Bucs do it, and we actually got a chance to see it happen live, I thought, man, that sent a, a huge message. And people will say, well, what what was the, the purpose of it? How effective was it if they're voting to come back and play? The issue isn't them playing basketball or not. 
don't think because they're coming back to play basketball that means that this minimizes the situation. What they were trying to accomplish yesterday was bringing awareness to the, the, the wrongful shooting of Jacob Black. He got shot seven times in the back, wasn't armed. Like, regardless of a criminal record, which people are quick to bring up in terms of trying to deflect or move goalposts in this argument, the police job is what? To protect and serve, not to be judge, jury, and executioner, not to decide who lives and who dies based off of a criminal record or whatever the purpose may be. That is not their job. And they are held to a higher standard for a reason. It's a reason they're able to go out there and carry a, a firearm <clears throat> and be able to use it and distribute lethal force, lethal force if necessary. But it's the other reason why that they have to be held to a higher standard, in yes. which they should be because of that authority that they have. But there's a reason why we have due process. There's a reason why we have fair trial. So that way, once all the facts are there in front of a, a, a jury of your peers, you're able to have a fair process. That's the purpose of the Constitution. That's the purpose of this government. And that's ultimately why things are set up the way they are. But that hasn't been the case. And it's frustrating. It's very tiring. And that's why you're seeing countless players step up. You're seeing, like I said, multiple teams step up. And everybody had different things that they were sacrificing yesterday by boycott. And we talked about the NBA from uh, the Bucks standpoint. That was a closeout game. They're up 3-1 in the series. Very pivotal, right? You, excuse me. You want to get that game done. You look at the Lakers. The Lakers, I mean, they they got a chance to close out the Portland Trailblazers. Damian Lillard is injured right now. The longer you let this thing linger on, he could come back. We know what type of player Damian Lillard is. They said, no, we're not worried about that. Uh, they're not worried about that from a WNBA standpoint. They hardly get the attention anyways. So for them, they had the opportunity to be the only teams on the court playing yesterday. And they said, no, this is bigger than that exposure. This is bigger than us. This is bigger than our sport. For me, man, we have to continue this conversation. We talked about how when, when the George Floyd situation happened, at that time, it was like the nation stopped, right? We had everyone's attention. Everybody was talking about it. And then it died down. I mean, it's protests still going on from the George Floyd situation that is not covered on CNN and Fox and everything like that because, oh, you can't point to looting and rioting anymore. That narrative is gone. And now it's just back to the basic facts, but people like to avoid that. But now with this situation, with the Jacob Blake uh, incident, people were acting like that didn't even happen until the Bucks went out there and did what they did yesterday. And now and that gave us the opportunity to speak on this issue right now. Because if that doesn't happen, we don't get the chance to talk about it and people act like it's just business as usual. Everything is, oh, it's normal. It is what it is. So for me, man, I'm glad to see these players using their platform. I'm glad we got the opportunity to use our platform as well, because if we don't, then what are we actually doing here? Are we being complicit by not saying anything? Are we supporting what these people are doing in terms of not calling them out, not addressing those issues? I personally think that if we don't speak up on this, we are part of the problem. That's just how it is. And we can people can move the goalposts however much they want to, and we got answers for all of that. If you want to talk criminal records and past and things like that, we talked about it. That's the purpose of a court. That's the purpose of a fair and speedy trial, right? We're not going to make you wait. It's a speedy trial. That's a part of it. It's part of your Miranda rights. It's part of your Constitution. We talked about that. Then we got the narrative of what about the black-on-black crime? We're not talking about that. White-on-white crime. The difference, it's a very simple difference between the, the make-believe narrative of black-on-black and white-on-white crime or black-on-white and all that other nonsense. The difference is this. When civilians do it, if it's the quote-unquote black-on-black crime, they get held accountable. They get arrested. They go to trial. And if the, and if the crime fits... Sometimes they even get the death penalty. There is no making up that. There is no any. Uh, uh, there is no way around it. But when it comes to police officers, they are not held to the same standard. When it comes to police officers, we can point to various instances, whether they've been caught on camera, whether it's been people around it, wh whatever it is. 
where they're not being held to the same standard. They're able to do these things, whether unlawfully, and they're not held accountable for it. They're able to still continue to have their job. They're able to sometimes not even go on paid leave. We talked about how, okay, with George Floyd in that situation, it took the rioting and the protesting for them even to arrest one of the officers, not even all of them, just one. We talked about how with Breonna Taylor, the person that the WNBA is continuing to say her name, how she was wrongfully killed. Those officers are still walking like there is nothing going on. So that's the whole purpose of why when you see this situation with Jacob Blake, why you get this mass outcry, this knee jerk reaction of, you know what, we're going to boycott because it's sick and tiring, man. People are tired of seeing this, especially minorities, because it's, it's, it's just nonsense. Well, Arthur Motes, I mean, you only touched on a few things there. Um, I really like what you said about people who bring up black on black crime or people who, you know, I, I until 2020, Arthur Motes, I never knew that there were so many people concerned with Chicago right, and with human rights atrocities in China. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm really glad to know that there's so yeah. many people who are now suddenly concerned about those big, things. Big time concerned with it. But right? I didn't know that until the last five or six months. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I want to spend my, uh, like, like I said, I want to stay out of the way for, for most of this conversation. The stuff that you just said there about police officers. Um, I, I want people to know clearly, Arthur Motes and I are, are not sitting here and... Um, because I, I agree with everything Arthur Motes mm-hmm. just said. I, I echo 100%. I, I want that to be clear, first of all. I should have said that first. We're also, though, not sitting here, right, um, saying that we want to completely abolish police departments everywhere and we just want mm-hmm. chaos to run in the streets. And we'll, we'll get to that point after you finish. With, yes. Yeah, that, that's, um, that's part two. What... What I would like to to make sure um, I articulate, mm-hmm. uh, uh, being a police officer is a public job paid for by us, by anybody who yes. pays taxes. Uh, police officers are civil servants. Mm-hmm. Uh, this applies to public officials, too. Yes. Anybody who holds an elected yes. office, anybody whose job is paid for by us. Honestly, Arthur Motes, and you bring up the Constitution, uh, it's our civic responsibility as Americans, to hold elected officials, public officials, civil servants responsible, to hold them accountable. Um, So protesting against police brutality is not hating the police. I Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I always like. I have this discussion with my parents all the time, because a lot of times when I when I get into these conversations with my parents, they think that automatically everything that I'm saying means that you hate police officers, you want them gone and, and they're all terrible people. No, in fact, I would argue that what the conversations that we're having is our civic duty. It's mm-hmm. part of being an American. It's in the Constitution, holding public officials accountable. Like I said, it's a public job paid for by us. Um, so uh, I, I wanted to make sure and be clear on that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And this is the thing. I mean, we can all – I'm sure if we have these conversations – no different. I mean, you poll five people. I guarantee one of those five people are going to have a family member that's a police officer. Absolutely, I do. They're going to. I, I do too, and, and I love them. And they, I feel like they're phenomenal at their job. I've told you this before: the military, the police conversation that yeah. hits home. I have a cousin who's been stationed in Italy for three Absolutely. years. Absolutely, I would say we can go down the list for three <laughs> years. Has two kids that I haven't met because yeah. in Italy for three years has tra- an army ranger has trained mm-hmm. hundreds, if not thousands, yeah. of army soldiers Legit. overseas. Yeah. That's. It's my cousin who I love yeah. dearly. Like so, I, I mm-hmm. believe me. I, you and I are both we're we're firmly entrenched in this conversation. Absolutely. So yeah, it's not as if because that's the other thing we see, right? Where where they try to snipe the argument, right? Yes. Well, these guys are Moving multi-millionaires. The they can't really understand this type oh, of, I love of thing. That I, I'm just like, first off, 
I can tell you firsthand, I'm a multimillionaire, and I grew up where I had eviction notices. I had candles lit because we did not have lights on. Trust me. And that was the, the nice version of it. We can go down the list of multiple athletes who've been in way worse situations than and, me. And yeah. I, I say this, too. Since when did it become that if you have status and wealth that you're not allowed to show empathy and show care Amen. and show compassion for the people that don't have those things? Amen. I mean, isn't that a reason why they come out to – the wealthy, and they ask us to donate. They ask for our time. They ask for our support from a monetary standpoint, right? You, so, it, you so, want to play the religious angle, right. too. It says in the Bible. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? Jesus said, what you do to the least of these, you do to me. Meaning right. how you treat poor people is a reflection of you. It's, it's how, it's, Absolutely. It, th that is your character. That's how, If you're treating poor people, if you're treating, you know, whatever you want to label it, people who are labeled mm -hmm. as lower class, if you're treating them poorly... It, 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 that's that's a right. reflection of your character more that, than anything else. And, and that is what drives me absolutely bonkers when I hear that is if, oh, because these guys have been successful or because I made it to the NFL or because you see a guy on TV, he's not allowed to step up and, and make a statement. I mean, we saw that numerous times when it was Kaepernick. Oh, he can't understand. He's too rich for that. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, then we should not be able to, to understand breast cancer. We should not be able to understand uh, childhood abduction. We should not be able to understand veterans. We should not be able to understand what it's like to be in a, a school that doesn't have education and funding because, hey, 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 Our, we, we don't live that like know, that right now. You know, no, Arthur, that's nonsense. And, and you're obviously you're going with real, tangible, serious things. It also, on like a lighter angle, too, right? That means I shouldn't watch Spider-Man movies because okay. I don't know what it's like to shoot webs not, out, not of my, yeah, we, we out of my, out of my arms and fly around through the city. Yeah, we can't relate to that. So for me, that's a, another issue that I always I'm, I'm find when— that, That's a pet peeve for yeah, me. It's because so pe annoying. people are quick to try to find ways to deflect or move the goalposts because they don't want to address the issue that's at hand. We talked about that's why so many people get uncomfortable when you talk about race and these type of issues in terms of injustice from a social standpoint. It makes people uncomfortable because nobody wants to feel like they're the bad guy. When, in fact, yeah, when you look at the history of this country, there's some bad people. It is what it is. Yeah. We're not saying that you're in particular bad, but yeah, as a whole, there have been bad people and this country has been built on that and it's important that we continue this conversation so that we can adjust it. It's not saying that, hey, oh, you're fed up, you should leave the country. Well, first off, newsflash, I wasn't born in Africa. I was born in America. So what country am and I going back most, to? That, like, but, that whole, I've told you this before. Like, the whole if you don't like it, you can leave thing is yeah. hilarious to me because all of us sit around and we complain about our sports teams yeah. day after day. If you don't like it, you can root for yeah, somebody, else. somebody else. If that's the case, <laughs> like, yeah. what are we, like, what, where else do we apply that logic? Right. No, the fact, like I said, it's our civic responsibility to care about this right. stuff. That makes you an American. And because of your pride for America is why we are fed up with. We it. want it to be a better place. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, man, that's always my biggest issues with this. But ultimately, man, to, to continue this conversation, I, I don't want to just leave you with just the fed upness element of it. It's important to also educate on this, man. And some of the things and certain some action steps that you could take. We talk about voter registration. It's the reason why you saw LeBron James and the group of players that he has getting people registered to vote because that is critical in terms of understanding who in office makes these decisions and not just from a presidential standpoint there are layers to this thing at the state and local level understand that so that's why voter registration is big that's why that's a conversation that's continuing to go on police reform is another thing and police training it's important that hey if this is the way that they've been taught if this is the way that they've been taught to diffuse situations, well, they need to be taught a different version. They need to learn alternatives to that. That's another thing behind that. We can get into the whole defunding of the police situation, and that that's another thing as well, because then they're like, well, yeah, yeah, defund the media. 
<laughs> Educate yourself before you make that statement ever again. That's all I'm saying, man, because, yeah. <laughs> It, it, it's, it's it's a lot of things that you should be looking into in this situation, but ultimately, the whole purpose of the boycott yesterday was to get this conversation back going, was to show yes. people that, hey, just because we have progress, that does not mean that we've reached the finish line. That does not mean that everything is back where it needs to be. We're clearly seeing that that's still an issue, and we can point to two very clear situations in the short term in terms of Jacob Blake. People will say, well, it was a knife in the car and all this other nonsense. So he shot him seven times. Okay, we'll talk about the young man, Caucasian, 17-year-old, AR-15, kills two protesters, and he gets taken into custody peacefully. Make it make sense to me. That's all I'm saying. Make it make sense to me. And it doesn't. So that's why we are here having this conversation again. Hopefully we won't have to have this again in the future. But forgive me for being skeptical. I feel like we will because that's just the way things are going right now. It's going to continue to be like this. We're going to continue to have uncomfortable conversations. And as much as people love to say keep politics out of sports, <laughs> how often have we seen when something when 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 athletes <laughs> step up from a political standpoint, <laughs> how that moves the needle, right? We talked about how in the past, we can go down the list, right? We start with Muhammad Ali, heavyweight champ of the world. Mm-hmm. It took him saying, Hey, I'm not going to your draft, I'm not going to fight in Vietnam for that whole situation to start moving and people being more aware of it. We talk about the Olympics where you see the gentleman standing on the podium, put the black fist in the air. We see how that transpired. We talked about even with the COVID situation, right? Nobody took COVID serious until March Madness said we're canceling. NBA said we're hold- we're stopping our season. NHL, all the sport leagues said, hey, we're gonna stop. Then people said, okay, now I see what's going on. Now I realize it. Okay, I'm with it. It took athletes speaking up on George Floyd for that to continue to grow and continue to have legs. It took the the NBA putting Black Lives Matter on the court for people to continually talk about it. And it took the Milwaukee Bucks saying we're not playing yesterday for people to talk about Jacob Blake. I'm sorry to tell you this, but sports and politics are very much intertwined. It's the reason why athletes are in the communities. If that's the case, if, if you want to stick to sports and not have politics, why do we it's, get in the community and help out? It, it, yeah, why, why, do we, why do we make why an impact? We, we we almost demand in our society now athletes to be role models, mm-hmm. right? Like the Charles, the Charles Barkley famous, I'm not a role model thing, right? Like, well, okay, you can't have it both ways. You can't demand that your athletes be role models and then be upset when they speak out about issues that they're passionate on. Those two things go hand in hand. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, and the two athletes from the Olympics, for those that Tom, don't know, know Tommy, Tommy Smith, Tommy is Smith one of and them. John Carlos. John Carlos. Yeah, yep. those are the two. So it's like. And it, not only, I don't know if you know this. Uh huh. The, yeah, yes. the, the white dude from Australia yes. who stood on the podium yes. for decades in Australia got uh-huh. ostracized too. They wouldn't let him compete in the Olympics yes. anymore because he wouldn't, just, he, he wouldn't say what they did was wrong. Right. That's it. Uh-huh. And he got ostracized from the yes. Australian Olympic team too. Absolutely, man. This is a battle that's been fought. Not just in decades, the United man. States, decades, decades centuries, yes. centuries, yes, millenniums. Absolutely, man. But at the end of the day, sports and politics they run very much hand in oh, hand. It's a reason forever. why. It's a reason why we talk about using our platform. It's a reason why we talk about hey, if we don't speak up, who will? Because they're not listening to the people in the inner city. They're not listening to the individuals that have been shot, whether they are dead or not. I mean, Jacob Blake right now, they say he's paralyzed. They're not speaking to those guys and hearing their voices. So it's on us 
to use our platform to be the voice for the voiceless, regardless of who it offends, regardless of whose feathers it ruffles. And if you're not a fan of it because of that, well, good. I personally didn't want you as a fan anyway. You know what? If, if, if that's the case, if this is the, the straw that breaks the camera, we say all the time, oh, I'm, not, I'm not watching the NBA anymore. I'm not watching the NFL anymore. I can't believe you guys did that. If that's what it took for you to not support us, well, we ain't want you anyways, man. You take your money and go home. Don't let the door hit you where the a- good Lord's Exactly, you. man. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because, you know, Arthur Motes, over these last, right, since mid-March, um, there's been a few times that I've found myself burnout, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I keep hearing that term fed up, right? That's the term we've heard a lot yeah. from, from in a lot of different angles, from, from a lot of different sides, a lot of different people uh, in this country. Uh, that they're fed up with something this, that's going this way, or they're fed up with sports and politics, or they're fed up with this, that, and the other. You know what I'm talking about, unless you've been living under a rock. I've felt that a little bit about my job the last five months, Arthur mm-hmm. Motes, at times, yes. right? Yes. Like, you know this. Absolutely. When I was in high school and when I was in college, I wasn't thinking that I wanted to go into sports broadcasting to talk about pandemics right. and coronavirus and how that affects sports and social justice, right, and how that plays into sports. I surely, when I was sitting in class at WVU to go into sports talk radio, wasn't thinking that what we would be sitting here spending hours this summer talking about racism in the United mm-hmm. States. I sure didn't think, Arthur Motes, that I would ever be uh, have a platform, have a radio show, and be discussing the national anthem and, and the flag of the United States and America and how certain actions, if they mm-hmm. were disrespectful or weren't disrespectful towards those things. I never thought when I was in college, when I was growing up, when I wanted to do this for a living, even the first few years that I was doing this yeah. for a living, that we would be here talking about all these things. And there's been some times, I'll be completely transparent mm-hmm. and honest with you here, over the last five months that I've come to that word, those words, fed up, because I did, I got into this to react to Steelers games yeah. on Mondays and to talk about the Penguins and to do my podcast with Adam Crowley to talk yeah. about WVU because I love sports. I love breaking down games. I love making predictions. I love arguing and all the banter that comes with it. I, I, and the the storylines. Yes, the, the absolutely. Human, the human storylines, the mm-hmm. triumphs, the, the defeats, you know, the, the ups and downs. I love all that. I found myself at times thinking about that, ah, oh, man. I'm kind of just, the last five months, this has been hard. I'm burnt out. I'm fed up. But then I think if I've felt like that for the uh-huh. last five months. Thank you. How do people of color, mm-hmm. how have people of color felt for the last five centuries? Absolutely. And then honestly, the fact that you and I might have to work a little bit harder to come in here and come mm-hmm. up with some topic ideas to fill a couple hours on a radio yeah. show, Motsi. You know what? It doesn't seem like that big of a problem anymore. Yeah, see, for me, man, you talked about, how these five months you've been fed up, man. For me, this is something that I've had to live with throughout my whole yeah. life. And I know people will say, well, man, you're in the NFL. You were in the NFL, so you never had to experience anything. Man, I still was getting pulled over in the NFL as a multimillionaire because, hey, you're too young and, and you don't look like you're supposed to have this type of car. You ever been pulled over for that, Wes? I and have not. I would say, yeah, I've had that multiple times. They pull you up, hey, man, what are you doing with this car? You're not supposed to have this car. You're too young for this car. What do you do? Like, what, what type of – so you pulled me over, not because I was speeding. I, I didn't have a taillight. What was the purpose of you pulling me over? Just because I was a young African-American man in a nice car, that was the whole purpose of being pulled over. And then when I tell you what I do, now it's, oh, can I get a picture? Can I get an autograph? That's not one instance. That's numerous instances. Oh, you pull out. Oh, now your car has 10. It's not too dark, but I'm just trying to figure out what you do. Why do you have this car? That's the type of stuff we deal with. And like I said, that's me in the NFL. That was me in the NFL as a rookie. That was me in the NFL as a Pittsburgh Steeler. We can go down the list. I mean, 
That's the type of stuff that makes us say we are fed up. That's the type of stuff that we have to deal with in terms of having the talk of how, how do you have a conversation with the police officers? Have you ever had a conversation, Wes, where they say, hey, if the police pulls you over, make sure you roll all your windows down, turn every letter on your car, put both your hands outside, don't move, don't flinch, don't do anything. You ever had that conversation? I have not. Numerous times I've had that conversation. That's the reality of it. That's that, And that's how we have to operate because of these type of situations where then we see scenarios where, like I talked about, man, you can get a kid with a gun, just shot somebody. Oh, no, that's completely fine. We've seen videos where a guy is chasing out their police officer with the weapon. Oh, completely fine. We'll apprehend him nicely. How many times have we talked about a mass shooting that has taken place, whether it was in a church, whether it was in a movie theater? We can go down the list of all these places where these mass shootings have happened domestically, right, with people that weren't of color and how they were peacefully apprehended. How is that? Don't tell me. Now, Now I understand not all police are bad. Now, I would be a fool to think they were because that's not the case. I make that argument all the time when it comes to NFL players, right? We're not all like that. But why does it always seem that all the good cops, they are there for those situations with the non-people of color, but then it just so happens that all the people of color get to have, well, have all the interactions with all the bad cops. I just, for me, sorry if I'm a little skeptical about that as well. I just think that as a whole, things need to change in terms of that, in terms of just police relations with the communities, in terms of the training of it. It has to change because this is unacceptable. This is not ever going to be okay. And I'm just glad that in 2020, that's the one benefit of 2020. Cool. This has been the year where people from a social justice standpoint have said we are sick and tired of this nonsense. We are fed up and we will not allow it to continue on without being addressed, without it being put on front street. And that's why I'm just, that. that's the one beauty of 2020 right now. I love it. Arthur Motes, important conversation that needs to be had. And we won't shy away from that going forward. We haven't all summer. We are going to talk never some have, football today, will, obviously, on the show, too. And speaking of which, we are way overdue. We're like six minutes overdue already for our buddy Brian Bacco. Good so friend of the show. Let's get the break here, and we will talk to the Batman in just a few minutes. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, you're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes, I'm so jacked up here from the start of the show that I uh, forgot to grab my headphones. So we got our good friend <laughs> Brian Bacco of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on the line, and we've kept him waiting long enough. We're late enough getting to him already. So while I plug my headphones in, uh, you talk to Bacco here for a second. Bacco, what up, baby? What's going on, guys? How you doing? Man, we vibing out over here, you know, just having those good conversations around the words of Emmanuel Acho, the uncomfortable conversations. But, yeah, man, you know, just – Vibing out over here trying to stall to see if my man Wes can figure out this headphone situation right now. He's over here fumbling around and stuff, man. Let's start with this then, Moats. Uh, going back to uh, a video that I saw from you guys at the end of last week, how mm-hmm. would you rate or grade Mr. Yoler's push-up form? Oh, okay. Not His good. push-up form from the first 40, I would say was A-plus. That They were solid. He knocked them out, had good finish. Were full length mm-hmm. push ups, not the short arm, the short stroke, none of that. Now, them last 20, <laughs> rough. Oh, man. Woof. Listen, I, I, I was giving them the benefit of the doubt on some of those push ups. I was like, you know what? I'll just round up for you and just say that counted, even though you definitely, I don't even think it was a half <laughs> stroke. It was like a, a third of a stroke, if that. So, yeah, man. But, but what, what was your thoughts on it? 
I just know that, you know, anytime you see like a push-up challenge, especially from a notable person on social media, you always have haters in the comments and uh-huh. replies, you know, criticizing the push-up form. I got a couple of those. And everything Definitely like that. did. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think Wes's was the greatest, but uh, I've seen worse from people who claim yeah. that, you know, they're putting up so many push-ups in a small period of time. Now, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll give them like a B. Now I was going to say, Two questions. It's better grades than I got in college. Do baby. you I'll take think it. you could do more than him? And also, what is your thought process on him taking a break in between the push-ups, not staying in the up position? Hey, I'm not a Marine. Uh, I'm just just curiosity. What was the final tally? Uh, I think it was 64. We said. I think it was yeah. 64. Uh, that sounds about right. So. 64 in two minutes. Yeah. I went back and did some counting. I think it was 61, but we'll stick with 64. Okay. Well, I know that. Um, was it Sean McVay who made some headlines earlier in uh, the offseason? For what did he do? Like 204 uh, minutes or uh, something uh, like that? Allegedly, yes. No way. Uh, he okay. said he did something crazy. But he stayed in the up position the whole time? I don't know if he stayed in the up position. That's the thing. Okay, well, I was going to say. Yeah, I don't know if he stayed in the up position or not. Hold on. I'm, I got my computer right here. Yeah. I'm going to Google Sean <laughs> I mean, McVay. You, you are the real journalist here amongst us. <laughs> I, I remember when I saw him do that. I attempted it, and I managed to do it. It was really hard. I probably came in, like, right under. Okay, yeah, so he did 100 push-ups in four minutes. Now, I'm sure McVay's That's impressive. better yeah. than Wes's. No offense. Oh, I'm sure it was, too. So he had, he definitely had to stay up the whole time there, right? Maybe? 104 um, minutes? I, I, I know when I attempted it. That's a long time to hold yourself room, in I did yeah. not stay up the entire time. You said you didn't stay up. Oh, no, no, because when you if you're trying to just do that strategically and conserve energy and make sure you get 100 push-ups done in four minutes, I mean, what would you do most? You'd try to do 25 each minute, right? I probably want to do each minute, but, yeah, I, I would try to So you're talking it. like rep out 25 yeah. and then rest for, you know, 30 seconds and then rep at, at out best, 25 yeah. and then rest for 30 seconds. That was yeah. kind of my right. strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, I think if my, my life was on the line, I, I could do more than Wes. Ooh, we might have to get y'all simulcast or something, man. You know? Here's the thing, though. I, I would love Although, to here's this. what would hurt me. I would be uh, – my pride would make sure that my form is good for everyone. See, I'm not too proud to beg, Mr. Backo. <laughs> now, here's the difference. Crowley wants to get in on this, too. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Remember, Motes, I did – and this is honest to God, hand on the Bible, hand on my heart, whatever scouts honor, on my mother's life, whatever you want me to swear by here, whatever God do you, you pray to mm-hmm. – um, I had absolutely no prep for that. Like Correct. this is you and I decided to do it the day before. I did it the next day. I and had no it. I had no trial run. I had no nothing. I didn't have time to perfect my form. I didn't have okay, should I do it this way? Should right. I pause here? Should I do this? Like I had no practice. So I know Crowley's at home right now. Like, <laughs> all right, should I try and do sixty right away? Do I do twenty and take a break? Like so that's that's the only nugget there, Becco, is that I, I went into that like, you know, no no trial run, no dress rehearsal. I, I you know, I Bill O'Reilly did. I did it live. <laughs> Jeez. You, you do also probably clock in on the scale at like 100 pounds dripping wet. So the amount of body takes one to know one, but pushing up with each rep is, uh, yeah, I know. I'm not a real heavy guy either, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Um, I'm just saying. I, Crowley, I think, is, you know, maybe has a little bit more bulk to him than you it's do. You've got to consider, like, where is the hand placement? You know, some people say if you're doing like the closer together grip tricep mm-hmm. push ups, that doesn't really count. So 
Uh, you'll need a lot of stipulations if, if you and Crowley really go to bat over that. No question. <laughs> I, I did want to ask, because, you know, this is Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, Moats and I, we go off the rails a lot. We chase the shiny silver object. But Every our, once in a while. Our buddy Backo is a professional, okay? So for a real question here, to, to get away from this nonsense, Mr. Backo, I mean, which Pittsburgh Steeler could do the most push-ups in four minutes? Mm. <laughs> um, hmm. I'm going to say it's going to be one. Based, how about this? I'll tie it into current events. Based on what Ben Roethlisberger said this morning uh, to a question that I asked him about a player and going into his third year, he said James Washington's conditioning right now is like no one he's ever seen before. Wow. So, I mean, hey, I got to go with James Washington after hearing that. I mean, okay, Ben okay. played with, with Mr. Big Chest. Ben <laughs> played with uh, a Le'Veon Bell when he was in peak physical Condition. I mean, James Conner, everybody saw the, the back this offseason. I wrote, you know, uh, 1,200 words on Juju Smith-Schuster's revenge body transformation. But <laughs> amid body. all of that, I'm going to go with James Washington. The guy does have uh, a, a pretty impressive physique, and, and he's got that farm strength. He probably does That's push true. up in between every time he cleans the uh, the tractor. See, I, I, I like yeah, that pick. I can, I, I can see him being one of those farm boys that, like, yeah. when he was 11, he wanted to lift weights and his parents wouldn't let him because it's bad for your growth. So he was, like, up in the loft doing push-ups and sit-ups. See, see for me, I was over here like, all right, I, I, could like, I like the James Washington pick, but I'm thinking of the muscle hamster right now, Mr. Ryan Switzer, because you got to be light. Oh, that's a good one. He, 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 he bulked up, so you know one. he's strong. But he, because James Conner in that yeah. regard, too. I mean, like, have you guys seen his back? I mean, right. geez. So I was thinking about one of those type of guys. I, I like that, I though. think we're all along the right track, like, with – Respect to you know some of the bigger, stronger guys. Yeah, this is an endurance. This race. is an endurance race. Yeah. yeah, so I think we're we're along the right lines here. Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, our guest here on the Steelers Blitzes. He's kind enough to give us some of his time every Thursday. Uh, I know, I believe you were on the call with Randy Feetner this morning, buddy, and uh, talking about he was excited uh, to get Derek Watt back to full participation. Could we see uh, the return of the usage of fullback in the Steelers offense this season? I think when it comes to the short yardage situations for the Steelers in, in 2020, they need to maybe take a line out of Notorious B.I.G.'s book, kick in the door, waving the 4-4. Oh, talk Watt, to me! Yeah! 4-4. He needs to pave the way they struggled so much uh, in third and fourth and with one or two to go last year. Uh, I think when you factor in third or fourth down, Less than three yards to go. They were under 50% last year, second worst in all of the NFL, worst in the AFC. Yes, a lot of that comes down to not having your quarterback and, and that all trickling down to everything, but getting a fullback in there to, to smash it up inside would help a lot. Yeah, I definitely agree. And um, I, I think the injury to Roosevelt Knicks last year to – I think that played a large portion of that, man, because we know when he was out there, he can be effective. But with him being hurt, man, that, that definitely hampered what they were trying to do from a running game standpoint. Now, we saw that uh, Big Ben actually had some comments as well today. He was singing the praises of Chase Claypool, man. So I think he said that most of the time he doesn't like to talk about rookies and hype them up. He wants these players to be able to sneak up on guys, but he doesn't think that Claypool is going to sneak up on anyone. Yeah, too late for that. Yeah, yeah. So just talk about, man, what are your thoughts on Chase Claypool and how his training camp has been going so far? For sure, everything sounds really positive. I mean, I wasn't covering the team two years ago, but I was just looking back today at some of the stories from around this this same time in camp. And that was that was a little bit earlier in August, given uh, the the traditional schedule. But 
James Washington as a rookie, also a second-round guy, also a, a not so much size, but a, a speed guy, an outside deep threat type of player trying to figure things out as a rookie. And, out, and mind you, he had a traditional offseason as well to work with Roethlisberger and everybody else. He couldn't get on the field with, with Ben in the, in the first-team offense early on for whatever reason. I mean, he just hadn't earned that right yet. And now maybe Ben is a little bit different Two years later, maybe he's a little different leaders, taking a different approach as a quarterback. But, yeah, I mean, you guys heard it today. He wants Chase Claypool out there. He feels like Claypool already knows what he's doing. They have the, the sort of unspoken rapport that comes with time and experience. So I hesitate to, to pump the tires on, on Claypool too much. But you guys know, going back to the draft, he was one of the guys that I was banging the table for a little bit. And it seems like – uh, he's, you know, potentially a, a steal for the Steelers in the second round. I like that. Now, outside of Chase Claypool, who else has really surprised people at training camp thus far? I think Benny Snell has surprised me most. I mean, he just looks a lot quicker this year. I mean, we know he slimmed down. He told us he lost 12 pounds, which maybe isn't a ton, but you can see it. Nah, 12 pounds is a lot, baby. <laughs> That's yeah, and I'm also just seeing it in his agility, really, in, in these drills. And uh, Mike Tomlin likes to call it one of the feature drills when they do it. It's it's like kind of an Oklahoma, but it's just running back versus linebacker. Oh, yeah, open field tackling on the sideline. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in open field. I'm sure you've been there and oh, yeah. trying to bring down running backs. Sometimes the defensive back or the linebacker gets the upper hand is able to ride a guy out of bounds. Mm -hmm. But Benny Snell, I've seen him dancing around a a little bit more than than we thought he could do, I think, uh, based on his college reputation. So I'm I'm getting higher on him the more I see him. Yeah, I remember when they created that drill. We were not too happy having to go against (laughs) L. Bell, open field, 20 yards, no help. (laughs) Good luck. Hard pass. Hard pass. Uh, Brian, last one I got for you, Uh, weekly heat check. Uh, after Kevin Colbert spoke yesterday, we may be now leaning towards uh, dun, dun, dun. unlikely, dare I say it, on a, a potential Cam Hayward extension. I, I know a couple weeks ago we were remaining optimistic, but the, the longer and longer this plays out and maybe the more and more we hear from both sides, uh, maybe uh, I'm starting to look at that glass as half full. Yeah, percentages. Or sorry, half empty. Down I was going to say, wait a minute now. <laughs> <laughs> It's dipping down toward 50 for me, honestly, Wes. And, and not only do I base that on what we heard from Colbert yesterday, but uh, just before practice started on the, the Steelers live stream um, today, Tunch Ilkin was talking about that same situation. I feel like Tunch is a guy who knows things, and, and he seems to think that it's not going to get done before the season, but the Steelers are going to hook up Cam after the season somehow. Now, I don't know if, if that is going to be more or less feasible given salary cap implications. But uh, Tunch thinks that, that while it might not get done before, uh, they'll be able to, to still bring him back as a Steeler in 2021. They're not going to negotiate during the season like some people want them to make an exception to do. Um, but, but he's confident that he'll be back here next year one way or another. So like I said, I, I think Tunch knows things uh, about the Steelers. So maybe that makes me less bullish on it happening within the next few weeks. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, more bullish on, on the fact that Cam will find a way to return. I like it. Now, on a little bit heavier note, um, just in response to some of the different teams and, and guys boycotting or postponing their uh, practices and games and stuff because of the shooting of Jacob Blake, man, I guess what was your, your thoughts on that? 
I just think that um, when it comes to this and, and it comes to the outside world's reaction, uh, for the most part, every time we've asked the Steelers about this, even going back to the killing of George Floyd back in what was it late May or, or early June, yeah. coaches, players, I think they've all said the right things time in and, and time out, whether you're someone like Zach Banner who wants to be really outspoken about it or, or you're just someone like Randy Feetner today who said, honestly, I've got a lot going on with football. I'm not as informed as I could be, but I'd be happy to have a conversation with any player who wants to talk to me about this. I just think the outside world needs to be better with this. And I think people need to be informed first and foremost, mm-hmm. because so much of the, uh, the, the hatred I see or, or the negative response to athletes, be it in the NBA or, or NFL is, is really just rooted in, in ignorance more than anything. So, uh, I would encourage people to to read up on this and and actually get the facts rather than than you know fire back at players uh, with, with an uninformed opinion uh, that is probably shaped by someone's crazy post on Facebook that is just completely wrong. I like it. I like it. Right on the money, as always, from our good friend of the show on Brian Backo. You know Mozi. He doesn't do cap. Nah, nah. Follow him on Twitter at Brian Backo. Read his work in the Post Gazette. Partner, we appreciate your time as always. And go listen to some Biggie. Hey, absolutely. Go listen to some Biggie. Wise words of wisdom there. I mean, he doesn't miss Arthur Motes, that Brian Backo. I mean, he did give us a Biggie reference today. He, oh, he, that hit my heart. He I felt that does one. not <laughs> miss, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take a, uh, another break here on the other side. We will close down the first hour. We got some tweets coming in here uh, through the first 40 or so minutes of the show. Keep those rolling in at West Steeler at the Body 52. The Body. Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, it's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. Steelers practice just wrapped up. You know what that means. We go to the head coach. We go to the sideline boss. For his post-practice thoughts, here is Coach Mike Tom. Good afternoon. Man, we had a bevy of activity today. Um, had a couple of mandatory league-sanctioned um, presentations this morning around gambling, domestic violence, and so forth. Uh, as a football team, we also talked about some things that are going on uh, from a social justice perspective or had continued conversations there. Um, like I've mentioned to you guys several times during the course of this, uh, we desire to have an impact and, and, and more so than statements. And we want to be proactive um, in our behavior and our thoughts. And so we had continued conversations, not necessarily in reaction to, to the most recent uh, events that have transpired. Um, I, I continue to appreciate the hearts and spirits of our players in terms of wanting to participate and get and engage in a positive way and express themselves. Uh, that is their right. Um, like I've said many times, they'll continue to be supported by us as uh, long as their efforts are done so thoughtfully and with class. And and so um, I'm excited about continuing to grow in that area, as is our football team, and have an understanding of our platform and um, and utilize it in a very positive and constructive way, but also understand um, that we're targets and our perspectives and our opinions can be weaponized for agendas or against us and 
So we 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 want to move forward thoughtfully with with everything that we do. Like we've mentioned, uh, we're excited about being parts of solutions if we can be, if if our blessings allow us to be, uh, the platform that we have allows us to be. Um, from a football standpoint, um, continuing to work, we had a couple of guys miss time today. Eric Ebron was out with illness. Uh, Anthony McFarland um, is being examined for a potential concussion. He's in the protocol. I don't know what that means. Obviously, we'll update you guys as we get pertinent information. Uh, several guys were out. They continue to be listed as day-to-day. Ryan Switzer among them. Uh, Kevin Kareth White among them. Um, other guys that are continuing to work in a limited capacity that have been described as day-to-day, but are working their way back to us, Wormley and Smallwood and Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, Kevin Dotson, uh, and others. It's just the dog days of summer. Uh, that's how it is. We were able to get some quality work done. Had some live special teams periods today looking at kickoff return and kickoff coverage. We'll continue to infuse live elements of special teams play into our prep uh, because it, it, it is an awesome means of evaluation and an awesome opportunity for our guys to show what they're capable of in that area, and it aids in the evaluation process. Be happy to address any questions you guys might have. First question, Jerry Dulac. Jerry, go ahead. Uh, hi, Mike. Um, did you want to use today and tomorrow, like, as some, uh, you know, get the players accustomed to some not only pregame but day game prep? And also the second part, just real quickly, did you give any consideration to not practicing maybe like some other NFL teams did today? We didn't give any real consideration to not practicing today. Um, in, in regards to what we're doing with today and tomorrow, we're just leaning in on this process. We realize that there's some growth that has to happen. We have to get these guys ready for football circumstances and situations, the fluidity that happens in game uh, that's really controlled in a practice setting. So, you know, we're opening them up to more down and distance football, more movement of the ball, more fluidity that's, that's football-like as opposed to some of the scripted things we've done. And we'll just continue to, 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 to grow in that area because it's appropriate as we, as we get ready for opening week. Next one, Dale Lawley. Dale, go ahead. Mike, you mentioned the, uh, the live special teams uh, stuff that you've, you've been doing. Um, it's live, uh, but is it game type? I mean, you know what I, I'm saying? Are you seeing that kind of intensity out of, out of those, uh, those situations? You know, there's different types of intensity. Those of us that are in this space and industry understand it. You know, there's preseason intensity. There's regular season intensity. There's playoff intensity. Um, I'm I'm satisfied with the level of intensity that I'm seeing in the work, but I'm not going to pretend that it's going to mirror uh, what they're going to get on Monday night because that's just not a not that's just not an accurate statement. Uh, the volume will be turned up on Monday night on opening weekend. And that's just the reality of our game and our sport. Next up, Brooke Pryor. Brooke, go ahead. Hey, Mike, you, know, you said that you guys want to take thoughtful actions uh, when you're deciding what to do and, and do more than just make statements. What do some of those actions look like? They've been ongoing. Um, we're we're uh, active participants in voter registration. Uh, we're building relationships with our law enforcement locally. We have and continue continue to. Uh, we're just engaging with our community, man, and trying to find ways to 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 create conversation, to utilize the platform that we have in a very positive way. And those are just some of the many things that we have ongoing. We have social justice committees 
where guys get an opportunity to sign up and participate in areas that are personal passions of theirs. And so that's what we're trying to do as an organization. We're trying to find or trying to provide a suite of services that are in line with the individual and collective passions of our men to aid them in the process of being positive contributors to what's going on from a societal standpoint. Aditi, you're up next. Go ahead. Coach Tomlin, last night, Chase Claypool shared a a very significant message from his dad, essentially warning him to please not speed, please be careful, watch out for cops because they could kill you. As a father of two sons yourself, can you share it all? What are some of the conversations that you have with them and with all these young men on your team, who some of whom clearly are hurting right now about the country? What do you share with them? How do you Aditi, respectfully, that's my personal business, and I choose not to share it. Uh, conversations that I have between myself and my sons regarding how I raised them and what's appropriate behavior. Next up, Chris Adamski. Chris, go ahead. Mike, you, uh, you're down to four inside linebackers. Is that a sign that you swapped essentially an inside one for an outside that you're you're set at that position? And then I. <laughs> no, man. Uh, no, we're, more... we're, we're far from it. Uh, we're just, you know, we're continuing to to expose ourselves to new people and 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 expand the potential of others. Uh, we played Marcus Allen, Summit linebacker. He's a he's a guy that's shown some position flexibility. He's playing strong safety and some inside linebacker. So that really kind of fortifies our depths in that area. When it when from a perception standpoint, we might be running thin. Noah, you're up next. Go ahead. <clears throat> Hey, Mike, to stick with Marcus Allen play, playing at inside linebacker today, um, have you seen anything from him this camp that gives you guys some comfortability with him playing that position? Um, it, I have, and, and it goes beyond just specifically that position. I think he's just exper- he's, he's, he's shown uh, understanding in terms of how he's communicating, whether it's at linebacker or safety, his pre-snap communication skills, the way that he adjusts, shows growth and development in terms of our overall scheme, and, and that allows him to display the position flexibility. Marcus has always had the physical skills to, to do both jobs, but intellectual skills, the overall understanding of the big picture allows those things and those skills to, to, to come out in a football way now. Brian Backo, you're next. Brian, go ahead. Hey, Mike, has Derek Watt been limited at all? Uh, Randy mentioned something this morning about him uh, only kind of doing individual-type drills right now and, and you guys trying to get him back into full participation. Yeah, our target is opening opening uh, weekend for him, and so we've been thoughtful uh, about his process. He's a guy that's coming off of a surgery. Um, he's getting in-helmet perspective on work every day. He's in, in uniform. We're just limiting some of the things that he does in an effort to make sure that we get that daily exposure to the process. And so uh, we're thoughtfully revving up his participation, and it's going to increase uh, as, as the days go by. Alan Saunders, go ahead. And I wanted to get your th- thoughts on the two transactions this morning, what what you liked about bringing J. Ron Elliott back and, and why the situation at Long Snapper precipitated making a move. Uh, Cam Candidate has an injury that can be described as day-to-day. Um, we wanted to continue with our intense special teams work, so we, we brought someone else in that was capable. It's an opportunity for us to get some exposure there and see what his skill set is. We're really impressed with him in the workout, and so uh, we're excited about having him on board and having him put his hand in the pile and see where that leads us. And the other part of your question is, I'm sorry? Uh, J. Ron Elliott. 
Oh, we've got some experience with J-Ron. J-Ron's been around us and been able to put his hand in the pile in the past. Um, he was available. Uh, we brought him in and, and see and check his overall readiness to see if he could be a part of our process here in 2020. All right. Thanks, Coach. Thank you, guys. Mike Tomlin just moments ago talking to the Pittsburgh media after today's practice. We are long overdue for our final break of the first hour here, so we're going to take that now. We will discuss, uh, get back into some of these football conversations, some of this conversation on the other side. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. An hour in the books, two hours to go, so don't go anywhere. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good evening, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Well, that's good. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes, hour number two inside the Electric Factory with you here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Keep those tweets rolling in at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. We got a little breaking news here, Motesy. Uh, just in the last five minutes, the Philadelphia Eagles have announced they will not permit fans at home games this season. That is indefinite <clears throat> until further notice. And uh, the reason that I bring this up is because if one team in Pennsylvania is announcing that, the other team in Pennsylvania probably isn't too far away either, yeah? Unfortunately, you are absolutely right. Well, I don't even want to say unfortunate. It's just the times that we're living in right now until we yeah. can get a vaccine for COVID, until I mean, things it's not can settle surprising. down. Yeah, it, it, that's just the nature of it, the whole situation right now. So, yeah, it's not, it's not a big surprise. Would you and, hope that these could potentially change? I do like the fact they worded it as indefinite and not yeah. just, hey, this is what it is. Hey, it could be the playoffs in January, yeah. but if it's possible, yeah, why shut that door completely? Correct. And we all know this is still a very fluid situation. We're pretty much all in the waiting for whether the CDC comes up with new guidelines or if, like I said, a vaccine is created, tested, and everything is good with that. So this is pretty much status quo. is on par with what the current situation was going to be anyways. And Adam Schefter just tweeted Motsi 27 seconds ago that the Steelers will not have fans at Heinz Field for at least the first two games this season. Man, did you did you already know that before you made that statement of if one team in the state of Pennsylvania does it, the next team wouldn't be too far behind? Did, did, did you know this ahead of time, man? Are you hedging your bets in there? I didn't, but you know, Arthur Motsi. It comes uh, off like I've you're hedging worked, your bets, man. I've worked in this industry for a little while now. I know how these things tend to roll. I know how these things tend Jeez. to happen. Um. So let me ask you this, personal experience here, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know this. This was my first year as a WVU football season ticket holder. I uh, made my deposit, paid for my tickets back in February, so maybe this whole thing's my fault. You know, uh -oh. I mean, I, I finally officially get WVU season tickets, and then we get a pandemic, and there's been you know no no fans at sports here in this country for six months. I had to this weekend, Arthur Motes, answer a question. All right. All WVU football season ticket holders had to answer a question mm -hmm. this weekend. You had four options with your season tickets. Option one was hold out faith and hope that maybe you'll be able to go to some games at the end right. of the year. Like kind of, you know, stand pat. We'll keep your money for now. And if you don't get to go to a game or two this season, well, that, that rolls over into your purchase for next year. Right, right. Option two was just go ahead and say, you know what, I'm good. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until next year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But you guys could keep my money, just roll it into next year. Right, right. Option three was I want my money back. I want a refund. Okay. And option four was is that you could just give the school. You know, always this is always an option. Just give the school your money as a uh, oh, as a tax write off. It's like like a nice farewell. You know, just here take the money. I'll, I'll write it off. One of those. What option do you think I chose, Arthur Motes? Well, you're you're, you're a pretty good guy. You probably just say, hey, you could take this money, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I chose the first option. Okay, okay. I said if there's a possibility, you know, if there's only going to be 10,000 fans at games this year, and as a season ticket holder, if I can go to one game, I'll do it. I, I, I think I would. You know, if I got to wear a mask and I got to do all that, Arthur Motes, I think I would do it. Um, again, 60,000-seat stadium in Morgantown. So if they play to 20% capacity, I mean, what, that's about 15,000-ish people, 13,000-ish people. Um but here's the thing. If I get that phone call from my ticket representative, mm-hmm. all right, his name's Garrett, by the way, great guy. Shout out to Garrett. <laughs> um, if I get that call from him in the middle of October and he says, you know, hey, Wes, in two weeks from now, Texas Tech is coming to town and we're going to allow 10,000 people in the stadium and your name's come up on the lottery, would you like to go? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm leaving that out there as an option because, like right, I right, said right. to you a couple you, minutes ago, I don't want to shut the door on anything. Yeah, because it's still fluid. It's still new information, and we that's, all know that's that. what I went with, Motsi. I went yeah. with the let's uh, let's keep my money for now. I'll I'll stand pat. I'll see if I can go to a game or two this year, and whatever you know, prorated from the game or two that I go to, the rest of the money goes to my season tickets next year. I like it, man. Look look, look at this good guy over here. Jeez, Louise. Would you go to a Steelers game right now with ten thousand? people probably not nah i mean i had to do a sign the other day and it was probably close to 100 people that i interacted with in there and i was like the mass nazi dude like hey mask on don't cut hey, now do you remember hand this is outside. This i know outside. i know and, and i do understand that's the difference but i also understand how stadiums are set up and i know how fans get people scream and yell yeah and and use and the same bathroom absolutely and, and i know on paper it sounds good of what we're gonna have everybody spaced out but we've seen how games get and people get fired up and they say look i'm not worried about sitting over here or make sure i'm six feet away from that guy i want to cheer with him because he looks like he's fun or they <laughs> like they're fun and they're drinking and i'm drinking they sent the drink over here i sent the drink back i'm ready to party i'm cool on all that man i, I would like to avoid that situation personally yeah. yeah yeah i figured you would yeah i you know i don't think i would go this weekend to a wvu game mm. but maybe in october maybe in november feel a little bit different i don't know we'll see a reminder either that way all- don't don't pigeonhole me man don't make me have to just choose right now would i go or would i not go on, you always, on, this is, listen this is this Jeez. is a, this is sports talk radio arthur Motes. remember there's no gray area it's all got to be black or white hey, man you either gotta love it or you gotta hate it i know i, I like minutia i like the little wiggle room in i that like minutia too uh, a reminder, we heard from Mike Tomlin there in the last segment, his post-practice comments. Uh, Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
Our Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank. PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Ben Roethlisberger is the official quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, you like that one, buddy? Hey, hey, I see what you did there. <laughs> and Big Ben uh, just got done speaking to the media earlier this afternoon. Uh, a bunch to touch on, um, just leadership in the locker room in times like this. Of course, you know, he was asked a bunch about that elbow. We've seen videos on social media, Motsi. The I mean, one-handed catch throw? He's been out there slamming. It. He's asked about how that elbow's feeling after a couple weeks of practice here, and you know he's going to talk about Chase Claypool a little bit as well, too. So here is the captain. Here is the quarterback. Here is number seven, the future Hall of Famer, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, just a few hours ago. have any thoughts on how the Steelers might want to respond uh, in the wake of what's going on in the NBA and baseball? Um, you know, we, we just got done having, you know, like Bert said, a team meeting, and then we had some league-mandated stuff to talk about. Um, Coach Tomlin addressed with the team um, briefly about some of the stuff that's going on. Uh, I, I don't know that, uh, you know, the practice was never it was like we voted on anything. It just uh, we anticipate going out to practice at normal time. Uh, we have unique days today and tomorrow with kind of a night before the game um, type situations with mock games and stuff tomorrow. So. Um, as of now, uh, we, we're, we're all moving ahead as, as scheduled. Next one, Jerry Dulac. Jerry, go ahead. Hey, Ben. Um, good morning. I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, a lot of um, stars in other sports, guys who are maybe used to adulation, have talked about the lack of spectators has, you know, uh, been, been, been hard for them to get extra motivated. Do you anticipate that being any problem when you guys start playing for you personally, maybe? It's going to be different. Um, you know, I know we, we had our kind of practice the other night with the, the, the kind of fake crowd noise, whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'd be lying if I didn't say I wasn't excited to run out of the tunnel after last year uh, at Heinz Field. I mean, there's, there's nothing better. Uh, and I'll, I'll never be able to put it into words and describe um, to someone that hasn't been able to do it um, what it's like to run out of that stadium uh, here at home with the fans screaming and going nuts and, uh, the terrible towels waving. And so I was, I was looking forward to that. Uh, obviously that's going to be different now, but, um, and, and playing as long as I have, I mean, it's going to be a unique situation, you know, whether there's a few fans or no fans, I mean, I'm not really even sure what's going to happen yet. So, um, all that being said, after missing last year, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to be happy to be on the field playing the game. Next up, Joe Rudder, Joe, go ahead. Yeah, Ben, uh, you went uh, pretty heavy the first week there. I think it wasn't until uh, Monday, I guess you took some time off. I guess that's an indication your elbow feels good. And, uh, you know, how has it gone, you know, working as much as you have? Yeah, it's felt really good. Um, you know, we've always, for the last you know handful of years, we've kind of done, a, uh, done the same routine with a full day, half day, off day. Um, and I even went three days in a row last week. And, um, you know, it's been feeling really good. I, I definitely need to to give it some time um, to, to rest that kind of one day off every so often, uh, just out of general fatigueness and soreness. Um, but it, it's amazing how fast it bounces back and feels great the next day. So uh, I feel very confident going into a regular season schedule where we get, you know, Tuesdays off and Friday's a half day, Saturday's a, a travel type day. So those kind of um, scheduled days off uh, throughout the regular season, I, I think are going to be perfect. Next up, Brooke Pryor. Brooke, go ahead. 
hey, Ben, I know you used your platform recently at a men's conference over the summer to talk about issues that are bigger than football. And with yesterday being a significant day in sports activism, what do you think the role is of athletes to use platforms to amplify causes and, and things that are bigger than the sport? Well, I think each athlete and each person, whether it's a coach or whoever it is, um, you know, has the choice to, to choose uh, to what level, to what degree they want to use their platform. Um, I think the, the biggest thing right now is to, um, for, for me specifically, is to listen um, to my African-American teammates and friends um, that aren't even in football just to get a better understanding um, to educate myself. Next up, Dale Lawley. Dale, go ahead. Hey ben, we've, we've seen you throw on back-to-back days. We've seen you, you know, throw on the run and do all these things, seen you throw deep balls, throw with a good sip on it. Is the last hurdle in your mind actually playing a game? Yes, and, and trying not to be too nervous. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've noticed, it's funny because I've talked to Coach uh, Randy and Coach Tomlin a little bit. When we've done um, some two-minute drills against the defense, I've actually felt like – like the jelly kind of legs. Like I felt nervous out on the practice field, which I've never felt before, uh, maybe not for a long time. But um, so I know if I'm if I'm nervous out there on the practice field right now, that that the game's gonna it's gonna be a different feeling. And so um, that I think is gonna be the last hurdle. And getting hit, you know, I've um, tried to talk TJ and some of those guys to just give me little bumps every once in a while, but no one will do it. But uh, getting hit and, and and calming the nerves are gonna be big ones for me. Next up, Mark Caboli. Mark, go ahead. Hey, Ben, over this past week or so, has there been any throw that you made and said to yourself, well, I wouldn't have been able to make that last year? Or conversely, is there any throw that you've made so far that said, yeah, that needs, that needs some work still? Um, I, don't, I don't think so because I, it wasn't like I wasn't able to make the throws last year as much as it was the, the pain maybe that I had after making them or – the discomfort uh, the following day or things like that. So um, I, I think I feel really good in making some of the, the deeper down the field throws. Um, you know, I was uh, one of the practices, I think last week, um, I, I kind of, I wasn't able to step into it and I threw a, a go ball down the left sideline. And I, I just, it felt like when it came off my hand, it was going to be short and I ended up making it there in stride. So I, I was pleasantly surprised with kind of um, how, how the arm, how my arm strength has kind of come back. What I think, maybe even a little better than, than it was before. Aditi, you're up next. Go ahead. Hey, Ben. Uh, I would argue that you are the single most popular athlete in the state of Pennsylvania, or the most famous face in the state of Pennsylvania. And right now, you can, I don't, are you, you look like you're going to disagree with me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so we have seen multiple teams now, four teams, cancel practice to sort of have conversations. We've seen LeBron James, a very famous athlete, wonder if, you know, playing makes sense. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. What do you think is the smartest thing for you specifically and the Steelers to do? Well, I think we need to educate, educate ourselves. Um, specifically, I, I would like to educate myself and, and that's why I say I'm listening. And I think listening is such an important thing to do. Um, because obviously I, I look different than a lot of my teammates and a lot of my friends. And so um, how can I better educate myself and listen and learn? Um, because we all need to do and be better. Next up, Albie. Albie, go ahead. Hey, Ben, how's it going? Good, Albie. 
Um, ben, not just yourself, but the team, uh, because of the way training camp has been, I, I, I keep asking this question to different people. How, I, I know it's different, but how is what's different in training camp and, and, and what was different leading up to training camp going to affect the quality of play? Do you feel that you guys are as much up to speed as you would in a normal camp up at St. Vincent? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think um, as much as you can be, right? I mean, without the OTAs, I think the, and the mini camps, I think um, the biggest thing is going to be young guys, right? Um, guys that have never had that experience of playing an NFL game. I had a young running back come up to me, uh, a rookie running back come up and say, I think I had my first aha moment in the NFL. He tried to bounce a, a run outside and was easily kind of two-hand tagged um, down. And I said, well, what, what was that? He said, I, I tried to bounce it like I could in college, and they, they caught me. And I said, yep. I said, that's, that's the NFL for you. I said, it's, everyone's a lot faster and bigger and stronger, and it's not as easy to make things happen like that. So just those kind of um, – you know, the, the lack of that repetition for, for young guys, I think will be big. Um, I, I think where we might have an advantage over some teams is I, I'd like to think because we have more of a veteran team, veteran coaching staff, things like that. Uh, I'd like to think that maybe we have um, you know, not as much behind the eight ball as, as other teams maybe are. Up next, Missy Matthews from Steelers Media Productions. Missy, go ahead. Hey, Ben, Chase Claypool keeps popping up on the practice report. Coach Tomlin said he and Alex Highsmith are proving that they belong. What's most impressive about each of those guys? Well, I, I always get caught trying to spread too much praise to rookies because I want them to sneak up on other people. But it doesn't look like um, Chase is going to be able to sneak up on anybody right now because people are talking about him, and, and deservedly so. Um, he's just making plays. Um, I think – the plays that he's making are impressive, but I think to me, the more impressive is that he doesn't ask a lot of questions, uh, which means he knows his stuff. I, I can change a play with a hand signal or, um, or, or, or call a different play at the line of scrimmage. And he, and I always check him like, are you good? And he's like, I, I got it. And so I, I think that is, is just very, very impressive from a quarterback perspective that uh, as much as we've thrown at him, um, he's able to digest it and, not saying he doesn't make a mistake, but when he makes a mistake, it's not, he's not making the same mistake twice. And so I just think that's really impressive. Next up, Rich Walsh. Rich, go ahead. Hey, Ben, you talked about being motivated and, and winning a couple more Super Bowls and trying to get back to where you, to where you were before. Uh, I wanted to ask about some of your teammates. Juju talked about you being back on the field and maybe your presence being out to practice and getting this team ready. Do you feel the, the energy with those guys or the, the motivation that, that they want to play more for you? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I don't, I hate to say that guys want to play uh, for me to say that guys want to play for me, I think could sound self-centered a little bit, but I think we're all excited to play for each other. I think we all, um, I know I missed out on last year and I think, um, guys that I've just enjoyed playing with over the years um, and some longer than others, but uh, we have a lot of fun on the football field together. And so I think we're all looking forward to, to getting back out there together and doing it together and kind of showcasing what we hope everyone knows that we can do. Next up, Will Graves. Will, go ahead. Hey, Ben. Um, I asked Cam this a couple months ago. I'm just curious, have you guys talked about ways you might approach any sort of demonstrations during the games to sort of avoid obviously what happened in Chicago and 
I mean, have, I know we're, we're only two-ish weeks out, I guess, from things getting started. Have you guys started having those discussions? And, and how do you do it, you know, when there's so much more, you know, room for athletes to speak now than even there was three years ago? Yeah, Kevin, um, I have not, we haven't discussed that yet. I think we have some time. I, like you said, it's a couple of weeks out. So I'm sure, um, you know, it'll be more than just Cam and I. There's, there's a lot of people that, that need to, um, you know, be heard. Uh, and, and we've got a lot of great leaders in this team. So uh, we will all, I'm sure, uh, have discussions as it gets closer. Next up, Chris Adamski. Chris, go ahead. And does taking the year off maybe make you want to play longer? Do you have a timetable in your head to play in a 40, winning another Super Bowl? Did, did you see Brady and Breeze and, and Rivers and those guys still playing? Is that lasting them or, or seeing them have success in their 40s uh, motivate you at all? Well, I'm not worried about those guys. I mean, each person's kind of different. Um, each person has different motivations uh, in terms of their body, their family, um, focusing on winning championships. That's what we all want to do. And so, um, I'm just excited to have the opportunity to play this year. Um, after missing last year, I can really only focus on this year because um, you, you realize that you can't look past it. You can't look past one game and one play. So to me, I want to give everything I have this year um, and, and just really enjoy it um, because I didn't get to last year. A few more questions. Next up, Brian Batko. Okay. Um, yeah, it was mainly just uh, about James Washington. You know, you tried to further your rapport with him as a rookie. Um, and then you kind of just get to sit back and watch him last year and his progression. What have you seen out of his development in this receiver room as a guy going into year three? Yeah, I think James um, has done amazing things. I think to me, the biggest thing that I've seen is his growth and the understanding of the offense and his conditioning. His conditioning is like, um, like no one I've ever seen before. Follow up question from Mike Pursuta. Mike, go ahead. And um, Fitzpatrick says the only time the offense makes a play is when the defense screws up. Watts said they're making life miserable for you guys. Who's winning 11-on-11? 11 11? Defense. All right, follow-up question from Mark Caboli. Mark, go ahead. Hey, Ben, uh, you released your docu-series yesterday. It seems like something that – you've tried to stay away from over your career? Did somebody twist your arm or why did you decide to do that? Um, you know, my agent Ryan has, has tried for a long time to get me to just do something. And as you guys know, I'm a very private person and, and I like to keep it that way. And when this injury happened, um, my wife and I kind of started documenting things on our phone just because we knew uh, this is a unique situation and a unique journey that we were about to go on. Uh, potentially career threatening, obviously. And so um, there were some big hurdles that we were going to have to face. And so we started videoing on our phone and um, thought it was kind of cool. And so we just um, decided to, from there, to, to take it more professional, I guess, if you will, and really professional by that, which means we had a, a couple friends that, that decided to help us out. And basically one of the, the main producer guys, one of my dearest friends, had two months to put it together, and I think he did a pretty darn good job. So um, just thought it was something unique that we could let people get a little bit of uh, insight into to the journey back. Two more questions. Aditi, go ahead. Ben, you have some new coaches on offense. Uh, coach Hilliard, your quarterback's coach. Is there Are there more voices as you are putting together your offense right now? Do you feel like you're diversifying a little bit? 
are you growing as an offense in that sense schematically? Yes, I, I believe so. I think Coach uh, Canada is bringing in a lot of um, uniqueness in the run game. Um, and I think that uh, Coach Hilliard, with both his playing and coaching experience, is able to bring in some things in the past game uh, in terms of schemes, in terms of new plays. So uh, it's fun to, to kind of pick their brains uh, and what they've done in the past and what they've seen and, and kind of infused into our offense that we've already had. So uh, we'll definitely see some, some different things this year. Okay, final question. Joe Rudder. Joe, go ahead. Yeah, Ben, on your documentary, you, you said about you know, your, your elbow and kind of feeling like, I guess, a dull ache for years, I guess maybe going back to your rookie season. Is that totally going away now? Is that any issue at all? No, I have no, no dull aches, no pains. Like I said, if I throw two or three days in a row real heavy, I'll just get some fatigue, but I think that's pretty normal. And so uh, no more sharp pains or dull pains or anything in that elbow. So I'm, I'm very thankful um, for that. That was Ben Roethlisberger Randy, uh, before um, today's I, practice I, earlier um, this afternoon ben speaking to members of the Pittsburgh media. A reminder that all Steelers training camp media availabilities, all the audio we play for you here on SNR presented by your neighborhood Ford store, the Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. We'll be back in just a couple minutes to close out the second hour of the show. Euler, Motes, Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. You know, Arthur Motes, I got a question for you. After listening to Ben Roethlisberger talk there in the last segment. You know, we heard uh, Joe Judge earlier in the week talk about how he wants his quarterback to get a little contact. He wants uh, he wants Dan James to, you know. Dan get... James. I always do this. I was going to say, who is that? Who is that guy? You know who that is? It... He, he's a forward for Manchester United. Oh, I thought that was Daniel Jones' cousin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On his mom's side. Dan James is a forward for Manchester United. It's like, what? Daniel Jones is the quarterback for the New York Giants. My apologies. You know where my mind's really at most of the time. I got you here. now. I got you. I follow the flow. Um, I wonder, with no preseason games, right, did, one, did you find that logic crazy from Joe Judge, that he actually wants his quarterback to you know, not get destroyed, not get crushed, but to have a little contact in training camp with no preseason? And how would you evaluate Ben in that regard where – yeah, you want to test the guy who you know only played six quarters last season, and you want to see, uh, you know, make sure how confident you are and he is in that elbow. But at the same time, you're always towing that line of of injury. How how do you feel about that logic from Joe Judge, and how would you kind of proceed with Ben with no preseason games? Yeah, um, in terms of that logic, it's very unique. Um, we talk about the quarterback being the most important or most valuable position on the field in terms of wins and losses and things on that nature yet we never want to have them touched in practice but we get into the game and they get hit and a lot of times they get injured mm-hmm. very frequently we talk about how you go down the list of quarterbacks whether you're a pocket passer or a running quarterback you're gonna get injured it is what it is 
Um, but going back to Joe Judge and his thought process of potentially having Daniel Jones take some hits in practice, I'm not opposed to it, but I just think you have to tread extremely lightly because that position, it it's a reason why they get paid when they get paid. It's a reason why they are so important to the roster. If that quarterback goes down with the injury from practice and you're missing him in the game because he got hit in practice – and you lose said game because he got hit in practice. <laughs> Do you catch what I'm going on right I here, man? I am picking up what you're putting It is down. not a good look. You will, it will be no. more than frowned upon within that organization and amongst the players. And so, I'm sure the media would just just handle it so so nicely. Absolutely. So I understand the thought process behind it. I understand you wanting, especially in this type of scenario where there is no preseason games where they would traditionally at least get pushed right. by someone, have, right? I have to get out of the way of somebody right. or something, yeah. Like, like that's that's the thing. So I understand that element of it, but I just – I personally call me old-fashioned in this, man. I'm just – I'm a believer <laughs> that you don't touch the quarterbacks in practice, man. Right, wrong, or indifferent. You just – it's just not worth the risk to me, especially when you're talking about the franchise quarterback. With Big Ben, I don't care that he didn't play all but six quarters last year. Big right. Ben has been hit more than enough. In fact, he probably still has some hits that he could carry over from earlier in his season that, that could count for this. You know what I mean? He From earlier in his career to count for this because he was hit a ton. We know this. Big Ben knows what it feels like to be hit. I understand he might be nervous just because, like you talked about, being away from the game, not being touched, not being around the guys. Like, yeah, you, you're excited to be out there. You you want to be back around the guys. You want to get hit. But you just got to be smart with this name, man. I don't think you could do that. If anything, if you want him to get hit, when he's doing his QB drill warm-up, you can go get all the little uh, blocking dummy bags, right, the little handheld dummy bags, and then just hit him with that. Okay, hit, hit him with the dummy bags as many times as he wants to get hit, as many times as he needs to get hit to feel comfortable. But other than that, I don't want to see TJ. I don't want to see Bud. I don't want to see Cam. I don't want to see Minka. I don't even want Coach Tomlin bumping in him too hard, personally, because we know how critical he is, and we all had to endure last season, which at times was very much not fun because he was not out there. Yeah, it's a good call by you. I mean, that is a uh, that is a heck of a uh, a line to toe there for Joe Judge. So what's I mean, what's that even mean, right? Like what? Okay, guys, you know, hit Daniel Jones a little bit, but don't hit him too hard. You know, I want you to to, to I don't know right. to to give him a little contact, <laughs> no, no, give him a you, little you, shove, a little push, but don't push him too hard. You just said it. I don't know. I agree with you. I don't know because I'm trying to make it make sense to myself. Of okay, yeah, yeah, hit the franchise quarterback. Yeah, what? No, yeah. why? Why would I want to do that? Um, I'm good how, on that. How is that going to benefit us in any way, shape, or form? Okay, your quarterback can take a hit in practice. Great. I still don't want to get it because let's be real about it, right? <laughs> we we can talk about oh yeah, if he takes these hits, that'll get his body more prepared for the game. In practice, he's not getting hit like how he would be getting hit in a game. The the velocity and the speed at which you would hit a quarterback in a live game compared to how you would hit your own quarterback in practice. Night and day. And if one of those guys did hit Daniel Jones in this particular conversation, if they did hit him like how they would hit, per se, a Dak Prescott, that play would probably be fired. Like, let's be real about it. If you hit Daniel Jones like that in practice, if you would have hit Big Ben like that in practice, you were going to get fired. This goes back to high school. You know you don't <laughs> touch the quarterback, period, under any circumstance. Everybody knows that, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just the most basic rule. Uh, how do you feel in that regard, like, same conversation, but with everybody else now? Right, like the the need for physicality in this training camp, but also the hist with with no preseason and getting your body ready, but also you and I know the history of lockout years, mm -hmm. off season shortened years, when a lot of those smaller injuries can add up. Is that just 
it's it's a line that every team has to try and toe and hope for the best, or is there maybe some real specifics you can you can hit on there? No, I really think, man, you you have to toe that line and hope for the best because it's a slippery slope. It's a reason why you don't see these well outside of Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh we actually would tackle to the ground, which I, hey. I which I thought was absolutely crazy when I got here. I'm like, what do you mean we're tackling to the ground every day and this is not goal line period? Hey. The more you tackle to the ground, the more you expose yourself for injuries and risk. Okay? It's that simple, man. That's why during OTAs there are no pads because you don't want guys tackling to the ground. There's a reason why in training camp, most of the time, the way the schedule is set up, if it's a four-day practice, four days in a row of practice, and then you're going to have an off day, traditionally that fourth day before the off day is when you actually have a live tackle to the ground period. And this is outside of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh we operate different. I, like I said, I thought it was a madman running the thing, but that's just how he worked. Everybody is different in that regard, though. But most of the time, you would have three days where you're getting physical without a doubt, and you're popping what you call thud, whereas when you're staying up, just hitting the guy in the shoulder pads area and leaving it at that. But the reason why you don't want to tackle to the ground all the time is you got to worry about people's ankles getting rolled up on, knees getting rolled up on, a guy getting hit and hitting his head on the ground too hard, getting a concussion. There's so many different bad things that could happen from tackling to the ground that yes that's ultimately why you try to avoid it or minimize it or use it very strategically in practices especially in training camp and you say hey look man when the game gets here a preseason game i'd rather you go out there and tackle to the ground and take your injury risk there because at least it's a, a fair evaluation at least it's actually in the game i'd rather you get hurt in the game because of tackling not because you were <laughs> practicing tackling that's all i'm saying man yeah, the, I, I'm with you. It's a good call. It's it's unfortunately something everybody, all, every team is having to kind of toe that line, if you will, mm-hmm. this offseason. Arthur Motes, two hours in the books, another hour to go in the final hour of the show. We'll have a little three-question Thursday for you. We will hear from offensive coordinator Randy Feetner, and we will also get to your tweets. So keep them coming. At Wesley Euler, at the body 52. The body. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. Euler and Motes, you're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. The Electric Factory, Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, 60 more minutes to go till we turn things over to Mike Pursuta, Dale Lawley, and Matt Williamson for the training camp report. But we got plenty to get to here in the next 60. To lead us off, offensive coordinator Randy Feetner, he spoke today. He was asked a lot about Ben Roethlisberger, a lot about Chase Claypool, a lot about some of those offensive line battles. Uh, talked about Benny Snell, James Conner, a bunch of great stuff. Here was Randy Feetner earlier today. How are you? Um, Hi, Jerry. Um, ben was saying a little bit earlier that he was surprised or is surprised at how his arm strength has come back. Um, in practice, do you pay particular attention to maybe any deep throws or sideline throws and monitor and, and, and do you feel the same way? I do. Um, and I, I feel the same way like when we finish practice because I, I generally I'm always going to go up and ask him uh, one, how do you feel? Um, and, and you know that he's uh, preparing 
uh, pre-practice and then post-practice he goes through routines also to um, just physical things that he always has been doing um, and, and that's been really unique to see. I like um, the idea that from a script standpoint and we're attempting to get things done, uh, he hasn't wanted to shy away from any of those what you might call a deep opportunity uh, if it was to present itself uh, and we've taken several. Dale Wally, DK. Uh, Randy, you've been with Ben for a long time now, and do you find yourself, uh, he talked about how he's nervous about that first game and even, nerv even nervous now in practice. Have you gotten over those nerves of watching him go through this, and are you at the point now where you just, okay, he's ready, he's ready to go play a game? Well, I'm, I'm always going to be nervous for our guys because uh, I know how, how much they put into it. Uh, and in this case, you know how much he put into getting back to it. And, um, you know, it's interesting as, you know, we, we, we had that first evening practice and uh, it was it was it was a practice. I mean, we, we've been practicing. Uh, sometimes we we have a few periods what might be, quote unquote, a little liver than normal. Um, but uh, I remember him coming off uh, right after the first period and he says, uh, my knees were shaking. And I looked at him and I said, what? He said, yeah, and there was only just the media was in the stands. So it was, uh, uh, it was interesting, but it was the first time he had kind of officially kind of been back. You know, we went through that process of, of uh, uh, pregame and it was at night and, and you know, so uh, I, I guess you would expect that. Uh, you know how much he cares uh, and how much he's put in to get back and hence those feelings are going to happen. Um, you know, I know like in any football game, if you don't have somewhat of a jitter, if you don't have somewhat of an anxiousness, um, you're probably in the wrong sport. Uh, it usually, you know, disappears about after play one. Brooke Pryor, ESPN. Hey, Randy. Uh, when we were talking with Ben, he mentioned that it's going to be really hard for Chase Claypool to sneak up on some people now because of how well he's done so far. And he mentioned that, Chase isn't asking a lot of questions because they're already on the same page as far as communicating with hand signals and, and he's where Ben wants him to be. How have you noticed their rapport developing and, and noticed Chase just developing as a player through training camp? Well, I think the unique thing is, is you said developing rapport and, you know, sometimes that's hard to do, uh, you know, when you even have an off season, uh, you know, with young players. Uh, I think the thing that's uh, made this, uh, uh, exciting uh, uh, this early would be the fact of uh, Chase's availability. I mean, he's, he hasn't missed a, a, a snap. Um, he's willing, he's conditioned, he's physical, uh, he is intelligent. Um, so it gives him a chance to get uh, even more uh, action, more opportunities. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, that relationship is starting to, to grow. And, uh, and that's exciting because that isn't an easy thing to do. Um, uh, early for a young wide receiver and, uh, and you know, having had many really, really good wide receivers come through here, um, you know, he's, he's right in that same uh, mode of, of work, 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 shut up. And, and he, he basically, that's how he attacks his day. And it's, and it's so neat. Jeff Hawthorne, 93.7. Hey, Randy, along those lines, uh, have you been able to, develop any roles for your receivers and try to figure out some of the depth that you have there and how do you go about doing that in these situations? 
Well, you know, we, we tried to put them in as many situations as possible. We've emphasized situational football in most every drill that we do. We probably just don't put the football out and just say, okay, it's first down, let's go. Um, there's been a situation attached to uh, basically everything. We're trying to um, grab uh, those those reps that we probably missed throughout many camps and o OTAs um, and putting them in, in, the, in those situational game-changing type uh, moments every day. Um, I think, uh, again, I go back to somewhat availability, you know, um, we've had some maintenance things with some of the guys. We've had some guys that have missed a day or two here or there. And I, and I, I think that might slow down uh, that opportunity for that individual. But as a group, uh, I'm excited about the, um, the flow uh, of all of those guys being able to play most of the positions. Uh, you know, you like to uh, – I, I never really – I personally don't like to put someone in a box and say that you're a outside guy and you can't play inside or vice versa. Um, we, we put in all the guys in a lot of different positions uh, to kind of showcase what their skill set might allow them to do. And, and hence that only helps us uh, being a little more versatile. Uh, I like uh, where we're at at this point. Uh, I would uh, be more uh, enthusiastic if if and when we can get that whole crew back together, uh, practicing together on the field. Mark Cavalli, The Athletic. Hey, Randy, I was just wondering how much you uh, missed maybe Mike Munchak last year in terms of run game coordinator. And is there anybody this year you can uh, rely on or look to to help out in that regard? Well, yeah, I think, I think what happens is, you know, um, Sean and um, – uh, Clem are together for one more year, um, you know, and, and I think that uh, consistency is going to going to show this year. Uh, I know that uh, having Coach Canada as another um, uh, experienced coach in the room uh, it is only going to help Coach Faulkner's one year, uh, uh, you know, in in the system and and being able to communicate. I just think that uh, you know, as a group. Uh, we were fairly young there, and if you just mentioned taking out Coach Munchak. Uh, you know, that's uh, he, he's hard to replace in general. Uh, he's, he's a dear friend of mine and a respected colleague. And uh, uh, but I but I do believe that uh, as a group, uh, I, I do see the uh, uh, you know just like you would talk about players. You know, you see a staff that's uh, uh, having time to uh, mesh and be more coordinated and be more um, open to other ideas and possible ideas and, 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 the, and the best things that we could possibly do to put our guys in the best chance to have success. Will Graves, Associated Press. Hey, Randy. Um, Will. Real quick, uh, has Ben's availability surprised you and allowed you to sort of deviate from maybe what the original plan was for him? He talked about how his schedule, he's throwing more than he has in the last couple of years and sort of piggybacking off that. In terms of building a rapport with guys, I mean, I wanted to ask him this, but I didn't get a chance to. Are, are some? Does he maybe intentionally throw some some tough balls to these younger guys to kind of feel them out and see where they're at? Well, there's no doubt that he does that. It generally happens a lot in individual periods. You know, you you guys get a chance to watch his practice. You know, uh, I would think that uh, there isn't going to be many spot on balls when we're throwing routes on air, um, unless you're working with somebody you've worked a lot with. Uh, I think back to Heath Miller. 
Um, you know, he's going to throw a perfect ball to East so he doesn't have to make him bend, twist uh, in year 10, 11, whatever years it were at, at, towards the end. But um, generally, when you're talking about new players, you know, you'd like to see what that catch radius is. You like to see, uh, you know, how high can he go? Uh, how far out can you put a ball? Um, can he um, maneuver and keep his body control on a back shoulder type throw uh, or slow a receiver down? Uh, you know, and be able to, um, you know, have that confidence that 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 ball doesn't always have to be perfect. Uh, quite frankly, they're not all going to be perfect. Um, they're going to be in an area, uh, hopefully, uh, as far as possible away from another colored jersey, but in the vicinity that a receiver is able to make a play and comfortably understand why that ball was put there. So, you know, that happens all the time. Uh, I do think that. Uh, you know, and I, I teased Ben a little bit today because, you know, you've got some moving parts that you're really excited about having from Ebron to uh, Chase and, and, and some of these guys. And, and yet uh, in a called uh, play and practice, uh, you know, we, we still have to go through our progressions. We still have to uh, allow for uh, those things to occur uh, to effectively play the position. And he knows that. And sometimes you just get a little bit excited because you want to see if you can't force a ball or get a ball into a guy. And, um, and I know that happens a lot. And, and he's really challenged those guys a bunch. Uh, question about how much he's working and not working, you know, uh, the, the training camp again, um, the uniqueness of this camp um, uh, with a couple of days where, where you've had an off day and potentially a, uh, you know, a half day, some of those type of things have lined up perfectly for him. Uh, to be able to still have the time off and then and not really miss miss work and uh, and so that's been really good uh, you know in training camp in years past you might have seen that you know he'd, he'd totally have a day off where you'd see him off to the side uh, some of that really just hasn't occurred because the off days have kind of fit right in at the right moment so um, again we'll always be on somewhat of a pitch count um, I think his push for individual periods and the pre-practice stuff and the post-practice things with the wide receivers is where, uh, you know, I just think he and I and, and Coach Canada just need to keep an eye on those extra reps uh, that occur outside of uh, between the lines in a period. Aditi King for Bala, NFL Network. Hey, Randy. Uh, one of the things that, that – I'm sorry, I'm outside and it's pouring. Can you hear me okay? <laughs> I can. I can okay. hear you. Uh, one of the things that Ben has said is that for the last, whatever, 15 years, he's dealt with this partially torn tendon and um, some twinges, some pain. And now he has absolutely no pain. Well, this is an un unbelievably tough guy who always plays through pain. How can you tell? I mean, is it, is it obvious to you that he's actually playing without pain? Is there any discernible difference in what he's giving you because of that? Uh, yeah, I would just have to go on just... Uh... Uh, things that I would have recognized and maybe not paid a whole lot of attention to, uh, you know, twisting of his wrist, uh, maybe because his forearm might be a little uh, uh, sore, um, uh, winding up of his shoulder, uh, loosening, kind of like uh, shaking his his arm to his side. Uh, things that I've just, I you know, when I when I really put my mind to it and think about it, uh, I have seen, and uh, I I've I've seen it in meetings. And I've seen in meetings where he's come in and, and actually uh, spend a meeting just twisting his, his wrist. And, and maybe there's giving you some comfort um, 
uh, in your in your elbow forearm type area. I know when the guys generally get uh, a, a little bit tired arm, uh, that's a little different. Uh, but I but I do think that um, uh, there were there there were signs, and then you could see some of those. But like I said, if you would have ever asked him, he's going to definitely you know you already know the answer to the question. He's going to say no, I'm fine. I'm fine, but I mean, he's, he's been fine with a, with a, with a bad shoulder. He's been fine with a bad knee. Uh, you know, I, I've seen him play and perform uh, under all those adverse situations of, of uh, not being perfectly healthy. Um, but it, it is different now. And I do ask him when we come off the field, I just point blank ask, I said, Ben, now, you know, how do you feel today? And he says, I feel fine. And when he, when he says it, uh, I don't notice anything uh, that would lead me to believe that, that he doesn't. And, um, and, and I would hope that uh, just our relationship to this point, uh, you know, for, for as long as we've been together, that, that he would never feel like he, he would have to keep that from me if he, if he didn't feel fine. So, and I, like I said, uh, it's not a, he's not on the injury report. He's not on the injury thing. I mean, we're just talking about him getting back, and it's so exciting that, that he's got himself back to this, to this spot. Joe Rutter, Trim. Yeah, Randy, uh, just kind of touch on previously. So th was there any hesitancy at all to let him go strong those first three days and do every practice last week? Um, not necessarily, because, you know, we we did, we talked about it. Uh, you know, we, we've taken this ramp up period um, that the uh, that, that was collectively bargained and uh, we've, we've stuck to it from a rep count standpoint. Uh, we, we've, we've limited some of the fluff in a, in a practice um, again where I have to uh, be careful and, and I think for the good of all quarterbacks is those those extra throws that you get in a day that you just really don't count. Uh, that post-practice uh, working with uh, Ebron, uh, uh, pre-practice, you know, uh, throwing with Pouncey, just trying to hit the goalposts because they, they're, they're competing against each other. You know, those kind of general things. Um, you know, you, you want to keep a pitch count on as best possible. And like I said, I, I, I don't think that would have ever been an issue just because of the way we've, we've kind of ramped up. Mike Prezuda, DVE. Randy, have you had any non-football conversations with your guys or do you anticipate having any in the wake of uh, baseball and basketball canceling games and some NFL teams canceling practices this week? You know, I, I really haven't. Um, you know, I you know I like to come in early. Uh, I got a work day and kind of stick to my uh, my routine from a work standpoint. Um, you know, I'm I, I guess I understand you know uh, a little bit about what's going on, but I, I just I, I really haven't had time to think about it, and uh, I don't mean that in, in an insensitivity way. But um, if any of the players would like to talk. Uh, man, I, I would love to listen. I'd love to keep growing and learning more myself. Brian Batco, Post-Gazette. Hey, Randy, how are you? Good. Um, with Derek Watt, uh, from what you've seen out of him so far, um, can you use him or can he be as, as involved in the running game and as helpful as Rosie Nix was a few years ago? Are there some different things you can do with Watt skills he might possess that, that Nick's didn't and, uh, and just how, uh, how much can he help you guys, especially in short yardage situations where you struggled last year? Really good question. Uh, because, uh, Derek is, uh, a very sharp player. Uh, he's, uh, 
uh, the only probably time he's ever missed is now. I don't know what his practice uh, uh, things were uh, when he was uh, you know, with the Chargers. But, uh, you know, one of the things that was attractive about Derek was uh, he had never missed a game. Uh, he was always available. Uh, he was asked to do a handful of things in the run and the pass. I think he does have uh, flexibility to do both. Uh, I do think he definitely has the toughness uh, and he has the intelligence to do and maybe be asked to do uh, a lot of things. So uh, there is a lot of excitement for that. Um, I realized that, uh, you know, uh, until we get back full, um, you know, we've, we've been uh, just kind of you know, working with them in uh, individual type drills and things like that. And like I said, I'll be excited when, when he's ready to go. Chris Adamski, Trib. Hey, Randy, you have, you know, three, four, five running backs who make legitimate claims to being part of the offense. A, is it important for you to try to get all of them some sort of role, or is it a matter of just James is, is the guy and you know, other people fill in, or, and how do you try to keep them all involved? Well, I mean, we, we got to keep them all involved for sure. Uh, each one of them had, can bring something uh, really unique skill set to the table. Um, you know, James is, is, is uh, uh, when James is healthy and uh, he's as good as, as, as any back in, you know, that, that we've had here. And I'm so excited about James's offseason. I wish we would have had a chance to be together a little bit in the OTAs and during that time. Um, but he's put himself in that position. You know he's capable of being all three down back. Um, I love what Benny Snell is right now and his growth in his second year. There's kind of things that just common growth that happens over, over the course of one of the season. And, uh, and he's put himself in a really unique situation now because he's, he's really in good condition uh, and, and his usefulness and his knowledge is, is getting better every day. Uh, you know, the guys know Jalen. Jalen's very versatile, run pass, all those type of things. And Ant is new. And uh, yeah, Kay White and both those guys give us a, that, that little bit of juice and that speed and that quickness and, uh, and, and all that type of thing. So um, very excited where they're at as a group. And uh, like I said, I, if, if, if we have to specialize, uh, you know, uh, in game, uh, we will do so uh, to put the, the, you know, each guy in the best position to, to give us the best chance for success. Um, but my expectation would be James would be um, capable of doing all three downs unless go to work. Mike Asty, Pittsburgh Sports Now. Hey, Randy. Uh, we talked with Eric Ebron the other day, and he mentioned that he would love to see two tight end sets all the time, but obviously that can't happen. But just going back to Ben, can you just speak on what a player like Ebron being there would even mean to Ben at this point in his career? Ben coming back, and that's separate from adding Eric Ebron, but having a tight end like Eric Ebron may even obviously will be an extra aid to Ben even further, especially coming off of an injury and being an older quarterback now? Well, Eric's exciting because he's uh, he's a been there, done that guy in this league. Uh, he has very skillful set for, uh, obviously, it blends itself to the passing game. Um, you know, he uh, can be a mismatch uh, concern for selected uh, linebacker types, strong safety types. Um, you know, we'll, we've been tried to uh, be very uh, uh, intelligent about where we put them and, 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 and not overdo it 
too quickly uh, to where he can't play fast. And, and again, if there was a guy that you would have loved to have OTAs in minicamp, uh, you know, that would have been very helpful and useful for him as well as their, their, their connection, him and Ben. Um, but he is, he does have a skill set that is very unique. He can catch football that I can promise you. I mean, he, he, he can snatch a ball. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's pretty strong at the catch point. He can separate and uh, there's a lot there to be excited about. That was offensive coordinator Randy Feekner speaking to the Pittsburgh media earlier today. We're going to take a break on the other side. Oh, a little three-question Thursday. We'll have some fun as we wrap up the show, round out the show here in the third hour on Thursday. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Penultimate segment on a Thursday. That means it's time for Arthur Motes' favorite thing to do on a Thursday. You better believe it. Little three-question Thursday. Arthur Motes, let's jump right into it here. All right, three-question Thursday. Question number one. Uh, We talked about earlier in the show, Arthur Motes, uh, stadiums and crowds, right? Yes. Um, As it relates to COVID and football games and fans and attendance and that kind of thing. If you could uh, wave your magic wand, mm. okay? And, okay, and for a day, everything will go back to normal. There's no coronavirus. There's no restrictions. There's no health concerns. Okay. It's, you know, it's 2019 all over again, right? Man, I thought it was going to be 77 and I was at a Grateful Dead concert. But all right, that's neither here nor there. So I wish. <laughs> uh, Barton Hall and Cornell. Hey, it just um, sounds about right. <laughs> one thing you would do, if you could wave your magic wand and have a, you know, a normal day. Mm-hmm. What's one thing you would do right now if there were no COVID concerns? Uh, I would rebook my vacation to Hawaii, Ooh. which was supposed to be my retirement trip, my <laughs> retirement gift to myself. Yeah, I, I, without a doubt, that would be it. I, I said when I retire, my first year out, I want my vacation to be in Hawaii. We had it booked up. The flights, we was going to do it in style. The kids was ready to go. We had our luau thing set up. I had my Hawaiian shirts. I always wanted to wear a Hawaiian shirt in Hawaii. And then everything fell through because of COVID. So, yes, if everything went back to normal, that is the first thing I'll be doing, man. Or that would be the first thing I'll be doing. That's a good one. Man, um, you got me thinking about Hawaii, man. I miss it. And I ain't even been there yet. Couple more weeks. It. A couple more weeks we had this conversation, and I would say go to a WVU game. Mm. But as we sit here today, Arthur Motes, you know this. Our listeners know this. My favorite place, my happy place during the summertime is in a lawn somewhere at a concert venue with music playing, with a cold beverage in my hand, right? And and just just 20,000 people dancing and vibing. Now, you said music playing. Would, it, would you rather be John Mayer or Grateful Dead? Right now, Grateful Dead. <laughs> I would love to go to a de- I would. That's what I would do. If I could wave my magic wand and everything could go back to normal on Saturday, you know, I would love to go to a Dead & Company concert. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd love to go to any concert, Arthur yes. Motes. You know, again, where, like I said, where you're there with 20,000 people and you got a cold drink and the weather's right and everyone's vibing and singing and dancing. Like, that's like my favorite feeling in the world. I feel like I would want to go to one of those concerts and have like, I don't know, like a 
yellow old school like punch punch buggy beetle ton of bumper stickers oh, on the yeah. back of it just to like show in like, the peace sign on one of my bumper of stickers like oh yeah of i like that guy he, he's here to have Some tie-dye fun. t-shirts absolutely on. man yeah i just i uh, <laughs> it, the the thing i think that i have the, the biggest first world thing that i think i've missed the most about this summer other than just you know spending time with friends and family right right is summer concerts i mean i told you i had four I had tickets to see Dead and Company, to see the Grateful Dead Man. four times. I had Rage Against the Machine tickets. I had James Taylor tickets. I had Action Bronson tickets. Ooh, Action Bronson? And now I'm just getting Mr. De- Buckle him up. Now I'm just getting Ooh. depressed as, as we're rattling off all of these things that we would have done. That's yeah. the concert I need. I, I concert. need to go see Action Bronson. Yeah, I saw oh, him. Man. I saw him at Stage AE probably like five years ago, and he was supposed oh, to come back. Man. Obviously, that got Ixnay on Missed the Ixnay because of because of <laughs> yes, because of sir. the uh, because of the COVID. Yeah, Mozi, a concert. That's what I. If oh, I if things could go, if I could ma- wave a magic wand, a concert would definitely be the the one thing that I would want to do. Three question Thursday. Question number two, and this kind of ties in too because this is. You know, the same stadium conversation, and we talked about my season ticket holder dilemma. Mm-hmm. Arthur Motes, this past week on Monday, I got my first, and I don't know if you know this, because, you know, you've always been an athlete. So, <laughs> athlete. you know, you might not have been a season, I don't think you've ever been a season ticket guy before. I haven't. In fact, I did get offered my first opportunity to be a season ticket holder this year. Ooh, with the and- Pittsburgh Symphony? Nah, I wish, but uh, it was with the uh, JMU Dukes, you know, nice. only, only the most Dukes. amazing place for football. Dukes. So if you if you get season tickets, right, mm-hmm. you get gifts. Correct. Um, so my family doesn't but have them anymore. But you do get the opportunity to, to reject the gifts, too. I have seen that. Correct. 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 But you sh- like from the time that I was in fifth grade, Arthur Motes, until mm-hmm. like two years ago, my family had Penguin season tickets. Okay. Um. And, like, every Christmas they would send us a Christmas-themed Penguins gift. Like, it was really cool. One year they sent us a bunch of Penguins ornaments that were made out of the roof from Mellon Arena. You know, like, Ooh, stuff like that. That's like, clean. Yeah, um, I like one, that. One year it was really cool. I still have it hanging up in my man cave. At the beginning, at the start of the season, they sent us, like, a like a full-size flag, like a stitched flag and everything hmm. with the Penguins logo that said season okay. ticket holder underneath. You know, like, cool stuff like that. I got my first WVU season ticket holder gift Uh-oh. in the mail on Monday, Arthur Motes. You thumbs wanna, up or thumbs down. You want to guess what it was? It's the most 2020 thing ever. Don't think about it hard. Oh, man. All right. It has to be some type of mask. Yep. Yeah. It was a. It was two. I got two yes. WVU masks and gators, you know. Funny thing, <laughs> JMU legit just sent me this. <laughs> I got a package, man, where it was like three JMU of the regular JMU masks. I had a gator. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what is this thing? I was like, is this some type of car? In fact, I think I got the gator here. Do you? Nice. Yeah, I got mine out in the car. I got my WVU out in the car, so whenever I run into Giant Eagle, I can yeah. throw yeah, with this, it definitely with this JMU gator. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, obviously not the, what I would have expected. You know, if you would have asked me last year what your first right. season ticket holder gift is, I would not have said a gator, um, either the animal or the facial covering. Mm. But simple question, Arthur Motes, it got me to thinking, what's the best gift you ever got? Just straight up, it could be Christmas, it oh, could be man. birthday, it could be uh, out of nowhere, but it had to be something that somebody else bought you that you had no say yeah. in. It's the well, best gift you ever got. I was going to say, so I've been very fortunate to have, you know, lived a good life and have received gifts from various people, whether it was a lot of money, no money involved, or whatever it may be. Something so, sentimental versus so something said, valuable. Right, so I said for me, man, I thought of the first gift that came to my head. 
And I just went with that answer. Yep. So that would have been when I was eight years old. My mom and dad yes. bought me a, a drum set, man. It was, Ooh. yeah, yeah, man. Bought me my first drum set. I'll never forget it, man. Full acoustic set. That was like <laughs> when I officially graduated from the pots and pans playing to actually like being able to play in the house. And I absolutely loved it. It was my favorite gift because anybody knows me and knows I'm very passionate when it comes to music. And drums is my first love. People yep. know me for like playing the keyboard and, and piano and stuff like that. Well, because, I think they know you for football too. Well, I mean. Obviously that, but <laughs> from a musician <laughs> yeah, standpoint, yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's what is easier to do when you're doing different events and, right. and things like that. People can see, oh yeah, that yeah, looks cool. And a lot of places have right. pianos as decorative yeah, you just items. Hop on and just play. Yeah. Whereas with drums, it's like, yeah, you're not walking up you're and just, just having a random drum kit. set. You're not just carrying right. your, your drum kit around. <laughs> yeah, but drums is my first love. Jones was my first instrument, so yeah, I always think back to like yeah, eight years old. Never forget, man, waking up Christmas Love morning, it. going downstairs like, yo, all black chrome, had my <laughs> set of sticks. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was it was fire, bro. It was fire. It's funny. I feel like for most people, they go back to unless it's like something really sentimental that they got from a relative yeah. well, or someone I was like, like that. I got the gifts from like the children, right, my wife. Right. We can go that route as well. But I was like, but I just the thought first of like, thing that comes to your mind. First thing that comes to my mind. And I feel like it's always around that same age. Yeah. Somebody got a gift that just, you know, blew their socks off. And for me, Arthur Motes, it was Christmas when I was 10 years old. My Nintendo 64. Ooh. Best gift I ever got. I mean, come on. I golden Arthur Eye? Are you a Golden oh, Eye or Smash Bros? Which one? Which one? Both. Okay. What okay. Do you mean? No, hey, I'm saying, I'm saying. Which one did you and like Tony more? Hawk which, which one did you like more? Golden Eye. Golden Eye, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I love them both, but I liked Golden Eye. Yeah, I was a Golden Eye guy. Yeah, um, and I think just because the the single player on Golden Eye was, was, you know what I mean, yeah. like you needed a friend to play to really have fun playing Smash. Yes, Golden Eye, yes. you could rock by yourself at Golden Eye is like one of those iconic games. It doesn't matter when you're talking about mm-hmm. games. Twenty years from now, you say Golden Eye, and that generation is like, whoa, oh, yeah, 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 yeah it's the, on site. The, the nostalgia that goes with I that game. I still got it, Arthur. I'm oh, gonna have man. to bring it in here. We'll play it one of these days. Hey now, break. hey now. Um, yeah, the the uh, I had to ask Arthur Motes. I asked for Christmas, birthday, Christmas. I asked for Nintendo sixty four three straight times before uh-huh. I finally got it. Mm, okay. So that was you know I was like so you felt like you had to like earn yeah, that. Yeah, I had waited time. for like you know almost two years. I was ready. Yeah. That was the best gift I ever got. Shout out to mom and dad if they're listening right now. Hey. <laughs> three question Thursday. Question number three. Oh, you're going to have fun with this one. And I think I'm going to have to go first on this one because I'm going to have to give you a minute to put your okay. list together. Are the most, the zombie apocalypse is coming. Walking Dead style? Walking Dead style. All right. And you could pick three famous people or celebrities. All right, so this can't be like, oh, my buddy Joe, like he's right, a mountain right, man. No, I got you, I got you. Three famous people or celebrities currently still living. Okay. Who you would want on your team mm-hmm. with you and... Where do you go? So who are the three celebrities or famous people you want oh, with you? Man. And where do you try and hide out? Where do you uh, you know, try and survive and live? So I'll give you my thought process behind this one. All right. I'm thinking about this. I'm like, we need a well-rounded team here, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the leader. I'm gonna be the good boss. I'm gonna be the Mike Tomlin. You know, but I need a bunch of studs underneath me, right? Because you know, you're only as good as the people that you got to manage. So Thinking about it, Arthur Motes, what do I really need for a well-rounded zombie apocalypse survival team? I need a navigator, right? Like someone who's good with land and travel and getting around. I need a farmer, you mm-hmm. know, someone who can self-sustain food for us, whether it be okay. veggies and fruits that we're growing, whether it's livestock that we're going to have to take care of. I need a, I need a food guy. Right, right. Or a girl. And I need a shooter. 
Mm. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I just need a shooter. I need somebody who 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 knows what they're doing with uh, their finger on the trigger. So, for... <laughs> I like this list that I got here. Let's start with my navigator, all right? Because this all is the most right. basic one. You're going to be moving around a lot. You're going to be trying to go and get things. You're going to be trying to get to certain places. You're going to be trying to avoid certain people. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to know how to cross terrain and survive and thrive while you're doing it. Arthur Motes, my first pick, I think, is going to be Bear Grylls. Hmm, okay, okay. I mean, now listen, I know a lot of people listening are probably thinking, oh, well, Wes, you know, some of that's just for TV and et cetera. I don't want to hear any of that, all right? I've okay. seen Bill Gr- Grylls stumbling through the woods, and he comes up to a stream, and he, he goes, oh, look at this gorgeous rock. Hey, we can use right, these right. rocks. Bing, 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 throws in a little tree branches, and the next thing you know, I mean, he's got like a four-star hotel built for himself right, right in the middle right. of the woods. I need that guy. Bear Grylls. I told you I need a farmer, right? I need a food guy, livestock guy, in charge of the produce, in charge of keeping everybody fed and healthy. And obviously, you know, I want these guys to have some muscle and and, and be athletic too. I'm not going to have to go far to get this guy, Motsi. In fact, I'm just going to have to drive a couple counties over and nab him. Okay. My second pick is Brett Kiesel. Oh, nah, nah, nice with it, yeah. Now, this guy knows how to use a gun. This guy knows how to use a bow. This guy knows how to tend to livestock. He's got land. He is a dual threat, triple threat. He's going to be able to protect us. He's got some muscle. Mm -hmm. He's a mountain man, and he knows how to uh, control the food situation. Brett Kiesel. He can grow a heck of a beard, too. This is true. And I need a shooter, Mm. Arthur Motes, so you know this one. I'm going with two-time Olympic gold medalist, West Virginia University Mountaineer. Oh, wow. And the pride of Italy. Uh So, I mean, clearly a girl here, Arthur Motes, who's just versed in a lot of cultures, a lot of backgrounds, very sophisticated, very smart. I'm taking Jenny Thrasher, the two-time national champion, the two-time gold medalist out of Italy, graduate of the West Virginia University, Jenny Thrasher, as my final pick. So my three, Arthur Motes, Bear Grylls, Brett Kiesel, and Jenny Thrasher. And where do we go? I mean, this is obvious. We go to Doddridge County, West Virginia. Jeez, you got the location already out? To my grandparents' 350-acre <laughs> farm where we've got a pool. Uh-huh. We've got a lake. We've got two houses on the property. We've got all kinds of land to grow vegetables and farm our livestock and Arthur Motes. It's in the hills of West Virginia. Mm. You know, it's up the holler. Uh-huh. So we got plenty of uh, of, uh, of of vision, right? Yes. Plenty of clarity. We can see for a long way off any threats that are coming. Okay. I that like that. That is my answer. For me, man, it's very simple. The three people that I'm taking with me, man. Number one. Tallahassee. His name is Tallahassee. <laughs> Real name Woody Harrelson. If you've seen Zombieland 1 or Zombieland Double Tap, Tallahassee plays no games. He is with all the nonsense, and he loves Elvis, who is the king, by the way. <laughs> so without further ado, man, Tallahassee is my number one draft pick for the zombie apocalypse. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> number two. Rick Grimes. Rick Grimes number two. Anybody that's seen The Walking Dead, they know Rick Grimes finds a way to just make it in whatever scenario it is. It could be as bad as it is. He's the only person I know is taking care of an infant. He's taking care of an infant in the midst of a zombie apocalypse. It's crazy. It makes zero sense, but I love it. He just, he's a gamer. He has the it factor. We Mm -hmm. talk about guys that, hey, the Russell Wilson type, right? 
I can't put a hand on it. You just know he's but, got but, it. But, hey, if you need food, he's going to find a way to find food. You need weapons, he's going to find weapons. You in a gunfight, he's going to find a way to shoot it out. He's going to find a way to kill a zombie hand-to-hand combat. Rick Grimes <laughs> is your MacGyver of zombie apocalypse survival. He always finds cars that has gas in them. He's never lost. I can't. I can barely make it downtown sometimes without my GPS. This guy has traveled from state to state in who knows what car with not a map or GPS and always gets to his destination without a problem. So Rick Grimes is number two. And then number three, you got to eat, right? It's important that we eat. It's important that we have food because for me, I'm like, hey, they're on my team. I account for a lot of things. I can help you with a little bit of medical because I've been playing football for so long. My training stand from a, a, sure. a trainer standpoint, I have sure. a lot of information on soft tissue injuries, bone, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what you're going to need to do mm-hmm. in, in a zombie apocalypse. You're going to need that. You might roll an ankle. I got you on the spat job when it comes to your shoe, okay, baby? When it comes to hand-to-hand cop, I'm a big guy. I work out all the time. I'm still ready to go if I needed to defend myself and others around me. So I said this third guy. I needed somebody that can get food for me, right? Somebody that can can cook it up the right way, the right way, because I'm very particular with my food. I don't like certain things. I don't like certain mm-hmm. whether it's different proteins, different sauces. So I need to make sure that in a zombie apocalypse, I don't starve to death because that could be an issue. Okay. So if I gotta come out here and eat squirrel, let me make sure this squirrel is gourmet up. If I gotta eat, you know. Leftover dog, which I've seen them do in the zombie apocalypses. Hey, let me make sure it's chefed up the right way, seasoned up, just right, not cooked too far. You know what I mean? Make sure it's a good temperature on it. So I'm going with my man Gordon Ramsay, man. Gordon Ramsay is my guy. I need him because he's going to make sure that all my food tastes the way I like it. He's going to make sure that if I'm eating squirrel, it is the best squirrel, the finest squirrel in all the land. And it is seasoned to perfection. It cooked to a temperature of about 145, not 155 because then it's too chewy. He's going to make sure that I'm good to go in that department. <laughs> so that's why Gordon Ramsay is bringing it up for me at third. And I in like our location, it. we're going to an island somewhere, probably the Cayman Islands because it's big <laughs> enough for me, small enough where hey, if I got to worry about fighting zombies, there's not too many people there and it's surrounded by water so I'm isolated from anybody that's coming in. I'm good to go. So yeah, that that's who that's the team I'm rolling with, baby. I love it. I love it. I think we're both in good hands. I think we're both in good hands. Let us know who's your zombie survival team uh, on Twitter. Last chance to get your tweets in. We'll close with your reaction on the other side. Tweet now or forever hold your peace for the next twenty-one hours. We'll wrap with your reaction to get us out of here. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. We're uh, surviving zombie apocalypses and talking football and other things on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. My grandma and your grandma were sitting by the fire. My grandma told your grandma, I'm gonna set your flag on fire. You're talking about him now. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show as we always do with your reaction on the Twitter.com. Let's get right into it here. Arthur Motes says, uh, Arthur Motes says. I was like, what? I said, what? Arthur Motes, Jab says that a bunch of my a bunch of my guys are telling me the Steelers are going to go 5-11 and 11 this year. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, that is ridiculous. I mean, that would 11. be. Who you, I mean, they lost Ben all of last year and still won eight games. Talking about who, who are your friends? Colin yeah. Cowherd? I mean, he's <laughs> the only one that, that bashes Ben like that. Is Baker Mayfield your friend? Jeez, Jab? What are, who? You need new friends. Jab, get some new friends. Holy cow, yeah. man. 
Uh, Jamie sent us a picture of your autograph for the push-up competition. Said it's so beautiful. Mbozi even spelled my name right. Hey, man. Attention to detail. It's all about the minutia. Jamie, a.k.a. JC, appreciate you again. Says much love and respect. You really made uh, made a brother's life doing this, especially when you didn't have to. And this is why you truly don't cross the moats. <laughs> nah, I appreciate it, man. Mad love. Thrash here. This is a nice tweet from Thrash. Uh, during the opening segment, he tweeted us and he said, this is why I listen to you guys, your football coach coverage and day-to-day life coverage is on another level don't ever change guys and keep on doing what you do best educate the people Respect. thank you for thrash yeah, we appreciate, appreciate it it's you, always man. nice to hear that when we kind of uh you know venture out of the football comfort zone a little bit here on the show and for anybody who might have missed it mozi and i opened the show you know first 20 minutes or so just kind of discussing the current social justice climate across uh the sports landscape and, and nba games being canceled yesterday and nhl games being canceled today and some of the nfl teams uh canceling postponing practice uh, if you missed that, if you would like to hear that, catch it on the podcast. Remember, Steelers Blitz, uh, our podcast is uploaded daily. Wherever you get your podcast, just search Steelers Blitz. Uh, Commercial-free daily should be uploaded here in the next couple hours if you missed the discussion early uh, in the first hour in the opening segment of the show. And the lit one, Rebecca. Lit, 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 lit. Wants to know who has the most receiving yards this year on the Steelers. And she says, P.S., when the world is so heavy, it's always great to hear your perspectives. Proud to be a megawatt. Thank you, Whew. Rebecca. Major love to the and one. Deontay Johnson. I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah, that, Deontay I know. That's why I had to answer first. I, I, I was like, yo, really? That's, that's <laughs> the one you go with? Like, hey, that's fine. Yeah, Deontay Johnson, without a doubt, I just think his game is going to be perfect, especially when you compliment him with Ben being back. His, uh, I mean, obviously he has the deep threat ability, but just the speed that he plays with, he's going to be open a lot, whether it's little comeback routes, drags, getting him the ball early and yeah. often. He's yeah. going to be the guy. Last one here from our buddy Devin in Denver. The, hey, the human the, flamethrower. The, hey, without a doubt, he flames. He said, please please tell me you guys noticed low-key how upset Ben sounded when he had to give credit to the defense in 11-on-11s. 11 That's what I like to hear. The fire is back, Mozi. It is. It is. <laughs> uh, he's right, though. The no, no, fi- yeah. The fire's back. There's a little competition, and and, yes. that, and that's, you know, the defense has been getting all the credit and all the love, and that's great and everything, but... But Ben can Ben can still get it done as well too. He can still be the reason that this oh, team yeah. wins games too. You know, it's it's gonna be fun to watch those units kind of compete for greatness again, like with each other and against each other at the same yeah. time this season. No, no, man, that's that's a huge positive. You want it to be that way where the teams are competing against each Absolutely. other on that type of level in practice because that carries over into the game. It's very contagious, but ultimately it helps make your group a lot closer. If I'm competing against you every day and we're going back and forth at it, you're going to help me out. You're going to tell me and educate me on some of my flaws in my game and things that I could work on. But you're also going to help me understand my strengths as well, and I'm going to do the same for you so that when we get into the stadium, man, now we are a well-oiled machine firing mm-hmm. on all cylinders, and we're going to be a nightmare for teams to try to, to, to defend or you know stopping things along that nature. That'll do it for today's show, Arthur Motes. Big thanks to our guy Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette for joining us earlier in the show and to everybody who chimed in on the Twitter.com. Oh, yeah, and shout-out to uh, the producer for the show, man, Wesley Euler, man. He did his thing today, <laughs> man. was on the ones and twos. Very sharp through the, the breaks and all that stuff, man, so got to give him love. Detailing that work, baby. The minutia. We will be back tomorrow on a Friday. We'll have our typical Friday hijinks, and, uh, and we'll have some Motsy hosting as well, Woo! too. So we'll talk to you in tomorrow. You know where to find us, or you know when to find us, pardon me, as always, at 3 o'clock. And you also obviously know where to find us. Same time, same place, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio.